I'm good. We I'm are good. there. I'm good to go. We can see everything's working. That's wonderful. Hi, everybody. Hi, Big Caesar. How are you doing? Now that we are all live, I'll ask it again. My girlfriend said I should try to be more polite and ask people how they're doing as we get started. Yeah, that was that's like really almost too white of a voice. You have to find a middle, I think. I was having fun with it. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, no. I am. I am good, man. That's one. I am good. I'm going to uh do what I normally do. And light up a ting. All right, I'll join there'll be, you. There'll be, there'll be lots of things lit up during this, this ah, interview, I'm sure. I got a couple ready to go. I come prepared myself. <laughs> uh, that's wonderful, Big Caesar. I'm so grateful to have you here. It just jumped up to non-people, by the way. It looks like you're an exciting guy, is all I'm trying to say. But it is really my pleasure to have you. I think people are you. just waiting to see if I say something about them. That's all. Nah, I think it's going to be good times. <laughs> we about that positive vibes here. But welcome to Bridge the Gap. My name is Holden Stefan Roy. And effectively, this show is us taking very smart and interesting people such as yourself. And we walk through your life and we like extract the knowledge nuggets of your experiences and we like learn from it because as I understand it, you've been around a whole long time in the game. You understand a lot of things. I can hear it in your music. So it's not just like um, uh, like a, ra a random statement for me to say that. You can hear when somebody has put in a serious amount of time and effort into the nuances of their delivery. The more theatrical elements and things that you have with the versatility in your voice that I found really interesting myself. Um, oh, wow, man. That's fucking it's, that's humbling. Thank you. That's Thank real, you. though. That's, uh, um, I feel at my age... And because I'm not making, I guess, you know, what's popular, for lack of a better term, I feel that I get slept on a lot. Like, I feel like mm. I'm at the point now where I'm more recognized for being a graphic designer than I am for being a guy that raps, which is real weird to me because I've always rapped. You know what I mean? I, I kind of do know I mean, what you mean. So it's cool to hear people that actually listen. I feel the same way a little bit. I'm a lot more known these days as a guy that does interviews than as a guy that makes music, which is like, yeah, that's weird. It's a little weird to process yeah. that there's more things people may care about me than that one thing I want them to necessarily care as much or about. Or that they didn't even notice in the first place. Mm. Like, people be like, yo, man, I didn't even know you rapped. I'm like, how did, like, how, like, how did you not know? Like, It's it's an interesting one. You know what I mean? Like, like I've been hiding it or some shit. You know what I mean? I think, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Like I, I actually ask myself similar questions. So sometimes I don't always have the answers because I actually, but I think a lot of us artists, but then I also go to myself and I'm like, I saw you on this podcast thing, right? That was my first encounter with, with you, which is where I saw you were a super interesting dude. And I just heard the yeah. way you were talking and stuff. And I'm like, mm, I would love to talk to this guy one day. This would be fucking interesting. Because, um, yeah, like, there's definitely certain parts of your, like, perspective I think are, are nifty. As an example, I think what's popular is so subjective, and we confuse billboard and popular all the time. Those two things aren't synonymous, whereas back in, like, 95, those two things were a lot more synonymous. So we just get confused because the media is full of crap. That's my thoughts on that subject. So getting slept on. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a yeah, issue. well, that's a nice way of putting it, I guess, I'm, you know. 
it's just uh, definitely what it is. But still, um, that's why I, like I saw you talking, but I saw how well thought out you were. I, I saw how like like it wasn't just like random. It was like you care so much about this culture, and I think that's a very respectable thing. It is. Because yeah. well, the question to me is like the difference. The difference. I have this conversation all the time. Like I don't feel that people who specifically are doing rap music per se I wouldn't even call most of it rap music to start with mm. and then more importantly on this topic is they're not culturally motivated people like right. people now are you know what I mean like they don't even they don't even they're not even shy to say that they don't care about the culture like I don't care about I don't know nothing about the history of the culture. Like mm. the fact that everyone calls it hip hop. Yeah, I gotta ask a question though on the real. That's like calls. You've uh, it's like there's not. Yo, your internet situation. It seems like it's a little choppy. I don't know if there's anything that can be done about that. Or... I I really can't. And, right. uh, if that's the case, we'll roll with where it. I'm at where i'm at this is what it is you know what i mean all right so if i ask you to repeat some stuff because we didn't catch it proper it'll be totally fine yeah. and my editor yeah. homie chris chrome make sure you cut out as much of the jarbly jarbles as you can my guy so the youtube video is nice and crispy and the live audience totally gets it now nah but um i really like the way that we approached this at the beginning and i want to get to that and i think part of the issue is documentation as in it's not as simple to learn about the culture as you would think. And I take this as a person who in 2015, you may not have appreciated my perception on the culture a lot. And today I think I can hold my own pretty proper. But the journey to get from there to here was way more painful than it needed to be in terms of availability of the real reels. So it's part of why I do this interview show. It's part of what this bridge to gap is. So it's be able to take somebody like you who can really, through your life, explain things. Like I learned about how... You know, tagging and battle ra uh, battle dancing, I would call it. Like the, the B-boys going at each other kind of created this culture. You know, like these are things I learned by talking to people exactly like you about when they were young. And which brings me to my first real question, because this was a great start, but I do have my first real question. So it's a bit of a story. I ask it to everybody so we can run with it. And then when it lands, you can just take it wherever you want to take it. And it starts off with my girlfriend doing the dishes and she got her phone playing that black eyed piece on that I got a feeling Ooh. she's like bopping around and she's dancing and she's doing her thing right <laughs> and she's washing the dishes and this is very recent and then I'm sitting there going yo you know what's cool about this song like 10 years ago I can vividly remember being in clubs jumping around drunk as fuck to that very very same song and that got me thinking about how music plays in the time how the vibe of the music 10 years ago was clubbing music and how 10 years later today that vibe is now chores music or exercise music or let's just say general activity uh music and then with that it got me thinking about how all that club music today that's just gonna be the chores music of the future and all them kids down the line are gonna grow up listening to whatever the club music is today which made me giggle a bit but it made me think about our own musical journeys how often when we talk about them we start at that like usually around puberty point where we figure out our identities and start to identify with the music in our lives and kind of attach ourselves to it but typically um 
our musical journeys kind of start a little bit before that. They kind of start with the sounds that existed in our homes, whether it's our parents or our siblings or whatever the ecosystem is, right? So in my case, I can vividly remember like my dad with these tapes bumping shit like Led Zeppelin or on the radio, it was this bad techno music. And then my mom had these disco knockoff tapes and it was just these different sounds and these different vibes for different occasions when I'm like five. Now, all of this laid this foundation that would further lead into all the stuff I actually kind of like today with the technos and the bad pops. And, but I like it all because my parents did and that kind of thing, you know? So that made me mm -hmm. realize I need to start this proper and know when a, little, when a big Caesar was a little Caesar, not like the other little Caesar, but like little Caesar at like five, you know, a little young guy. What was the soundscape like? What was, what was it like in that environment? What did it, what were the technology, the musics that were around? But this is like before you like stuff, just the stuff that was around you. Um, I grew up. Okay. So first and foremost, and this is a real fucking statement and I'll elaborate on it in a minute, but most rappers don't have history with music. Okay. okay. Like, rap is the only genre of music where you don't actually have to be a, music, a musician okay. to do music, right? Now that I've said that, I grew up in a, in, in a house full of music. My father's a musician. My father's a drummer. Um, he didn't... He wasn't there, but he was... You know what I mean? He's still my dad, but he wasn't, you know what I mean? And my mother, my mother is, uh, is not black, but identifies very much with black culture. Okay. So, and my father's black. So I grew up in a house that was predominantly black music, fucking, you know, Motown, fucking, you know, James Brown, Percy Sledge, fucking... Wilson Pickett, fucking Temptations, fucking all that kind of music. You know what I mean? When I was very young, I'm going to say probably like seven, maybe eight. My mom took me to buy my first record. So I brought my, my first vinyl I bought with my mother. Right? Wait, back that, that long ago? Band, yeah. Wow. Okay. Right? The first, the first vinyl, like the first, and this, this is right in line with what you just said in your own experience is similar to mine in the sense that I heard all kinds of music, you know what I mean? Like in the house, you know, different kinds of music. And then when I would visit my dad, I would hear different kinds of music. Both of my parents took me to buy records really young. You know what I mean? They, they, music was a thing and being creative in my house was a thing and it was accepted. You know what I'm saying? And like, um, my mom, when I went to buy records, I bought three records the first time I ever bought vinyl. I bought uh, Computer Games by George Clinton. I bought The Candy Girl 12 Inch by New Edition and Dirty Deeds Done Dirt Cheap by ACDC. <laughs> yeah, that's a great mix. That's also Those were the first three records I bought. So one was like funk, like funk. Yeah. One was like pop R&B for its time. And the other one was like this fucking Australian, like fucking hard rock, like metal shit, right? And uh, 
those were the first three records I bought. And if there was any way to describe me, even till now, if you talk to anyone who's around me, who knows me, you know, they'll tell you that I don't listen to a lot of hip hop. Hmm. Like, I love the culture, you know, but I don't like a lot of the new shit that's out. So I don't really listen to it. There is some new shit that I like. I can name it, you know, there, but my influences musically are so different. We're going to get to the future in the future. We're going to talk about a lot of things in your life. Don't even get me wrong. That's how this is going to go. So when we get to the later, more modern part of the story, we can worry about all the modern or music. Yeah. I'm just like, yeah, for sure. Because right now we just learned that you have this crazy cool bonding idea for like parents and shit. Like, fuck it. I have five kids and whatnot. I'm going to a fucking record store with them. We're going to do that shit. That is a bless ass idea. That's a big time knowledge nugget. Dude, me. you should be doing that with your kids. Like, I don't have kids. You, but... if, if, <laughs> no, but when you do, like people should do that with their kids. Like, People, like, it's funny, like, it's kind of like smoking weed. You know, you know the movie, like, Dazed and Confused? Yeah. Not Dazed and Confused. Uh, Half-Baked with right, fucking right. Dave Chappelle. The scene in the movie where the dad and the son are in the bedroom, and they're both smoking weed, trying to figure out a way to bond with each other. Yeah. Music is kind of the same thing. Yo, it is, like, though. If, you sit in there, if you, you're sitting there, and you're like, man, I don't know how to fucking communicate with my kid. Fuck. Like... Yeah, I never... There's music out there that's timeless. Like, I was in a Zeppelin cover band in high school. That's fresh. No, that's really fresh. You know what I'm fresh. saying? Yeah, I can't wait. Like, to... like, and that's because of my fa- my parents. Like, that's because of my parents. If it wasn't for my parents, I wouldn't be as good of a rapper or an MC or yo. producer as I am if it wasn't for my parents. Yeah, but that's why we're doing they... it like this. That's why we go through your life. Because, man, when we, we, we kind of, like, answer the question by accident inadvertently. That's kind of how my whole style is to, like, walk through your story. Because, yo, the reality is um, I don't know how many people knew that you went through this record experience or how many people knew you grew up in a bunch of uh, musicians at home. And that was the kind of environment. But I have to ask some more questions before we move on from this point. Um, when you were, like, five or whatever young, were you also into dancing? given all the funk and all the sounds around were you a little dancer yeah <clears throat> there was a time I'm gonna say probably till I was about I don't want to lie and, and and to be honest at the age that I'm at man I don't like there's a lot of things I don't remember now you're too, already right? but crushing it fucking <laughs> Um, I can't, I can't, I don't know when it stopped, but there was definitely a period where I did every element every day. Like I was b-boying, writing graffiti, learning how to scratch and rapping Mm. every fucking day. You totally preempted the rest of my questioning, which was going to walk through all the elements at like five and see what your interests were at. For real, that's that's how that works. Cause you know, dancing leads to the b boy, and then you'd ask about the drying to see if they grew that little graffiti interest. And here's, then... here's another fucking piece of fucking history of Big Cedar. So I lived. Um, Yo, where were you we born? That's moved... I actually legit forgot to ask that. By now, I try to. I was born in Toronto. Fresh. Yeah, we moved from. Tees. Dale, Dirty 30s in Toronto to Melbourne 
when it was gentrification and it was Malvern was brand new and it wasn't a hood yet, but they had moved different people from different hoods to Malvern, made a new hood, basically. We moved to Malvern when I was 10. Um, my mom used, was the only parent in the neighborhood that even would let anything hip hop happen. Okay. So she would drive, she would like drive me to like Walmart and help me like drag home cardboard and duct tape cardboard together and she'd park in the garage so we could put the cardboard in the driveway and like you know what I mean like all the people in the neighborhood all the kids in the neighborhood would come to my house and like we would bump like whatever so now you we know? just learned that when you were young <coughs> due to your parents you were the hub for hip hop in your community you weren't just like you were You were like how young were you when, when this is going on was this like high school like elementary no, school no man this was like young bro like you know what I mean no, my well, I was 16. I was 16 in 88. So that's a good context. Um, but no, that's great. No, but it, to me, it's like fascinating, right? Like, because I grew I'm like yeah. one in I don't know if I would call it a hub though, because it wasn't like it is now. Like, no, no, I mean, now I would have been now I would have been like the dude in my neighborhood, you know. I'm just kind of like paraphrasing. Back then, hip hop was so new, it was mostly like the weirdos did it. Yeah, I just gotta interrupt. Shout out Coltrizi for the follow, uh, Coltrizi. Uh, Cause you got to show. Yo, my nigga, he's a gr great dude. I've got to talk to him a couple of times now. He's gonna be on the show in a, in a month. I don't remember when it is, but he's coming too. So make sure to watch for that, everybody. Um, but no, when I say a hub, I mean I hear you describe you're in a community where no one has access to it in a pre-internet era where nobody can get the shit unless there's a person, and then you're creating this environment that's teaching people about cardboard breakdancing. Yo, that wasn't going on where I'm at, where I'm, when I'm growing up in school. I hear okay, I I get it, I, but I also lived in Scarborough, right? Like I was, you know what I mean, like sort so, of. I'm from Montreal, so my knowledge of Toronto is like my knowledge. Okay, well, of I, I, what I'm saying from... is, I lived in the city in Toronto. Like I, I I'm not trying to downplay it. I just like I don't want to create this false image of like I was a popular kid because I was actually the opposite of a popular kid. You know what I mean? Like Understood. I fucking hip hop. Like I wasn't a popular kid. Hip hop is what gave me my my identity. Like I was the fat kid who got picked on all the time. They call me Brown Cow in high school. Like, I don't, you know what I mean? I wasn't, I wasn't popular. And it wasn't until high school when, you know what I mean? Getting into rap gave me confidence. But I also put like 50 pounds during the summer between grade eight and grade nine and went into high school basically, you know, ready to whoop everybody's ass who picked on me in grade school. I wasn't a popular uh, kid. So I was, I was also the fat non-popular kid in my schooling experiences. So I actually empathize with that shit way more than other people might. I wasn't, uh, I was, I don't know. They had all kinds of names. Uh, fatty four eyes was one I got for real. Right? Yeah. I'd, I'd rather be picked on as a child than be picked on later. Like if I had to pick, I would, I wouldn't yeah, switch it. Like, I would, I would say you know? totally helped to learn how to have thicker skin today to go through those ex experiences. Then I'll be real. Well, and just realizing who, who's really the cool people to connect with and who's really not, you mm, know what I mean? Like that's a good point. The too. idea, the idea of, 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 who's cool and who's not is actually upside down right you know mm. what i'm saying like it's 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 not you know what i mean it's actually the nerdy smart fucking kids that are cool and you know what i mean like it's actually not cool to be a fucking idiot you know what i mean 
I do think that so, that's also a product of the times. I would argue uh, Big Bang Theory had a really strange impact on how cool nerds got real fast. Like there was like this like I, I taught because I was in like college around it. It was like a switch. I was like, what? And then people just started like. Yeah, I, I guess so. See, again, my age, I never I never think of that. Right. I never think of like like you're 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 100 percent right. The effects of shows like that and obviously the whole world watching it and like. You know, I get, I get that. You know what I mean? Probably why the show came out in the first place, right? Hmm. Um, That's a good point. Um, just for me, it was like a, it was completely different for me growing up. It was, it was different. No, you know, I was like a like, fully I'm, growing adult though when that show came out. So my whole like yeah, eighteen like, years like, was not the same. <laughs> yeah, like my age, I my I'm the age that I I came up during everything. Right. You know what I mean? 16 in the crack era, you know. So you're like, like you're basically as old as hip hop. Yeah, dude, I grew up with the culture. Yeah, that's actually pretty amazing. So when you're saying then, uh, so basically, when did you though, like get to the point? Like what was your like, because it's usually around puberty is where I put, I, I, I ballpark it. It could be any time. So you're buying all these records. Are you like actively interested in the music at that point? Or is it more like like a hobby Dude, that you're like or no 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 I'll, I'll tell you i'm gonna give all the love to one person because it's he's totally the guy who did it so there was a guy my mom's best friend name was christine and she had two sons chris and jamie chris was the older of jamie h and we used to hang out all the time um chris was older and like in hindsight he was just you know what i mean he was just into everything you know what i mean like right. he knew he knew how to dress he had a fucking you know he had some dope chains these fucking shoes were always fucking fresh like he went out every weekend he had the flyers for all the events he was the dude when i was really young he was the first dude i ever seen the boom box mm. you know what i mean like growing up like, I remember him having a boom, but this is before hearing rap music. I remember him having a boom box and having rollerblades. And he would skate around on these rollerblades listening to funk and shit. Like, good funk on this big-ass boom box on his shoulder, like, rollerblading, doing, like, fucking tricks and shit. Like, rollerblading in the hallways in our building and shit. Like, I remember that shit. You know what I mean? Yeah, then, that's bless. He was the, yeah, he was the first one where I heard hip hop. He, he, I don't know where he got him, but he would get his hands on the Mr. Magic mixtapes. And so at the beginning, you would hear a bunch of funk and there'd be no rap. And then all of a sudden, you know, everyone, everyone, at least that I know that's my age from my era, Curtis Blow basketball rap was the first rap you heard. Okay. I didn't know that. That was the first rap. Yeah, that was the first rap you heard. Everyone thinks that Sugar Hill Gang was the first record to break. It wasn't. There was a whole bunch of records that broke on the radio before Rapper's Delight. Rapper's Delight was the first record to get pressed. Okay. Like, it was actually pressed on vinyl. But there was tons of songs before that that came on, that were on cassette tape, or however they fucking gave it to the radio show. You know what I'm saying? But fucking... Rapper's Delight was a record that was made in a studio and pressed for a record label and put out 
you know? That was Rapper's Delight. But Curtis Blow had a joint called Basketball. Yo, I had no idea. You literally just taught me some shit right there that I didn't know. Yeah, man. Curtis Blow had a joint called Basketball. That was the first rap I ever heard in my life. And literally, hang watching this Chris guy and his older homies fucking roller skating with this big-ass boombox in front of my building. And all of a sudden, rap came on. I had never heard it before. Wow. It went from like literally like cutie pie by one way, and then boom, all of a sudden there's a fucking rap song, which basically sounded like disco with people talking over it at that point, right? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I love that description a lot, but yes, I do know what you're saying. That's um, 100% what it sounded like. That you know is I mean? fucking amazing. Um, what the fuck is this? You know what I mean? Honestly, I was like, I need to do that. Like, what is that? I want to do that. Like, that sounds dope. Like, what is that? You know? That's a crazy Three minutes cool later, story. funk is on again. There's no more rap. The rap song's off, right? And then as weeks and months progressed, he'd always have these new Mr. Magic tapes and more and more rap showing up. You know? Some... And that's how I got into hip-hop was through him. And he, he took the rollerblades off and started breakdancing. He was the first dude. He went from like rollerblading to fucking b-boying, and he was like, to this day, the best up rocker I've ever seen in my life, like ticking and popping and all that shit. That's... He was fucking amazing. Yeah, that is a... this story that you told right here is like the fucking gems of what this show is. Like honestly, because yo, that what you just said, that kind of an experience that you have, that creates this moment, right? In your moment, I never lived that. So when you're like describing this lack of desire for the culture and relatively speaking, I'm way more intuitive than somebody 10 years younger than me. Right. But like, man, I, I, I never lived that. That never happened to me. Not one time did I ever even think to go like looking for that until I talked to somebody like you who shares that raw passion with me. And I'm like, yo, okay, I get it. I get what the fuck you're talking about now. When you're like, yo, that's the culture for me. I grew up with this and then it turned into stuff. And I'm like, okay, that is yeah, bro, way it, different than me. Where rap it's like, wasn't even good for like the first, <laughs> like <laughs> rap. Like, it, it, I can't believe I'm gonna say this because I, I don't the truth, really mean my it, man. But I, do mean it. I know what you mean, so speak that truth. <laughs> so, rap was very cat in the hat until rock him. Yep. Rakim changed everything. And that's a long time. People like don't know how long of a time that. I mean, there was examples. No, that well, that's legitimately like. Whew, I'm gonna say a solid fucking eight to ten years of fucking rap music. Yeah, it's not like that was very cat in a hat, right? But then all of like like Rakim happened, but it all happened at the same time, right? Like. The yeah. only thing that the, the, the reason that Rakim gets the love that he gets is because he was the first one who just rapped different, you know. Mm. Like, but at like... the same time, at the exact same time, was like Cool G raps and Big Daddy Kings and EPMDs and Public Enemies and all these different things at the same time. You know what I mean? That like, you know what I mean? Like '88 to me is the best year of hip hop because it's like that's the year that. Everything that sounded different came out. You know what I mean? Like, it wasn't just, like, one thing. You know what I mean? Like, you, there was so much. You know what I mean? Willie says, LL Cool J wants to make sure he gets his love. 
Yeah, Cool J. I always say this. Cool J doesn't get the love he deserves. Nah, that's fair. Whenever you look up his discography and actually go look how deep it goes, you're like, yo. I just think... Um, well, here's the thing. LL Cool J was brave enough, and I use this word strongly. LL Cool J was brave enough in a time where, like, I don't think rap could have been any more misogynist than it was at that period. Right. You, you know what I'm saying? And he 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 was brave enough to be like, I'm going to do a song for the chicks. That's that I need love. And, and it, yeah, and then the niggas went, and the niggas went, what the fuck? You know? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, believe it or not, I think that's what Melodic Trap is. The guys doing songs for the girls... And the dudes are reacting, going, what the fuck? No, I disagree. And you know why? Because they're not rapping about shit that girls want to hear about. I, um, look, man, the stats are what the stats are. And you'd be surprised at how many ladies bump their sound. Because I love that beat. Ask them the words. I don't know. I have to follow up on that. Uh, I haven't done that in a while. I'm, I'm not, I'm not with the shits, bro. I'm not. I'm not with the shits. I don't care. Auto tuning, auto tune, putting auto tune on. I'm getting to the bag. A rapper does not make you. I'm sorry. I respect what you just said there, because it's a little more than just hating on auto tune. You're saying you can't just lace up bad rhymes with some gloss and make it sound good. I respect that opinion. That's what I'm saying. I respect In that a the lot. Famous words of Samuel L. Jackson: Just because you pour syrup on shit. Don't make it pancakes. Ah, it's a fucking... Okay, I accept it. So I see what your criticism is. It's not really the overall sound arc. It's the people getting pushed that maybe shouldn't necessarily... No, it's the... They're not saying anything. They're not, like... Nothing is being said. But it's not... They're not even the ones to blame. The ones being blamed are the same people who've been doing it since the beginning of time, right? It's the people who are in charge. And if you want to fucking have your record on the shelves and you want to be successful and you want to stay with our label, then you need to do whatever fluffy formula fucking Sambo ass minstrel show shit we fucking want you to do. Okay. That's the fuck. That's really what that's about, right? I accept where you're you know coming I mean? from because you're, you're, you know what I like about your opinion is that you're not like limiting it to like the 90s or some glory period. You're like, nah, fuck that. This has always been like that. Which is what history taught now. me. So I'm like, yeah, fuck what you're saying, because I'll admit hey, the the majors has always kind of been kind of weird like that. Like here's an example. I think it's um the Who or the, the ones that were like whatever. One of those bands, they literally got told to do a bunch of speed just to make music for the audience. They were like not into speed beforehand, and the labels like got them to do drugs to make the right kind of music for like the audience and shit. Yo, so like there's actually that kind of shit across all history. Record labels, if they can't get people to do what they want them to do, they will find somebody else to do it. Yo, there's a lot of deliberations that little people's uh, pressured into drugs on some label shit more so than he wanted to do. And then he overdosed and passed away. And there's a lot, if you really go down that rabbit hole on YouTube, people are like really like, nah, it was management and a label that pressured this kid into this lifestyle. So I was like, yo, that was a fascinating thing because he's a young artist that was trying to like not, I don't know, I'm speculating a bit, but like you look at it like in all the different lanes of it. So it is fascinating that you target these particular things rather than it being about the sound. And I think that makes your opinion really interesting. Dude, I'm not, you know what? I'll tell you a funny story. I have lots of them. 
So there was a period up until about three, four years ago. I'm a purist, right? Like, like I won't actually. That's that's too broad of a statement. Big Caesar, Big Caesar, the rapper, is a purist. Okay. Right. Josiah Brown, the guy, the person. I like all kinds of music, man, and fucking like whatever, man. I'm a huge Justin Timberlake fan, for example. You know what I mean? I'm just, I'm just saying. You know what I mean? I love Robin Thicke. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's all kinds of music that I like that wouldn't be considered fucking, you know, I really pure hip hop or hip hop at all. You know what too. I'm saying? But like you said earlier, you're more about but, the lack of respect for the culture as opposed to like. Yeah, and like that's really where my problem lies. Like the industry doesn't respect the culture any more than the fucking young ass idiots, right? Like, but they find the idiots, right? Like you can't be mad at the idiot. The idiot's just trying to feed his moms, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But be mad at the record label who know who who is devil enough to go out and find these people to fucking you know what I mean? Like they literally took culture you know and they took those pieces of the culture from it like they took what they wanted from it right like there was a time where the rap group was important like the dj and the rapper and there was always and there was two dancers there was a thing like you know what i mean there was a formula and like then all of a sudden like they were like we don't want to pay four people why should we pay four people when we only really need to pay one is that what happened? And then, yo, for the longest time, time on, they find they figured out the the, the formula of your habit. Yo, cause like I'm sitting there going, what happened to the dancers? I swear that was a my recent mind, cause you know you go through it and you look in the pot, uh, you you start like, you know, digging around in history and you're like watching shit and you're looking at these old groups and there'd be like just dancers, like you said, two of them. There's usually two dancers there, and I guess it's cause, right, b buying and whatnot is such like a a fucking prevalent part of the culture in its inceptional place. But I, I just, I guess, but you only ever see dancing in like stadium level, like big production shit. Like it's reserved for like a certain tier of show. And then like nobody else gets because, it. That's because they, they changed it. Right. Like here's the thing. Man. Oh my God. Ugh. I, it's okay. I met, I am very passionate about it. I think you're doing amazing. I also, I'm bitter. I have so many fucking stories, man. There's a video out there right now. You can go find it if you want to go find it. It's with me and a group called EWA from Cornwall, Ontario. And the song, I think, is called More Than Music. I'm pretty sure that's the name of the song. It's a real fucking bad fucking music video that we did with like a fucking camcorder easily a decade ago if not longer you know what i mean and there is a scene in that video of myself as a fat rapper adult dancing with two other guys the other two guys that are rapping and the three of us do a dance a scene in 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 the video where we're dancing straight up I noticed that you had like a real rhythm to your bop when you were like doing your thing. I respected that. In Dude, I'm like, 
I don't know, like, I, like I, I have a lot of, like, I wish it were the way it was when I was growing up. It was way better. I remember I, I was like I was there for that. Like but I like, had a rap group where so, it was me and another rapper and a DJ and two dancers and like we toured and did shows and like you know what I mean? Like get, we so are much absolutely better. still gonna get to all that. But just to give you some hope, I think because of there's there's this huge desire I see, maybe not in the twenty year olds, but if you scale or scale it back a little younger, these people are very curious. And they be on YouTube googling and learning everything they can fucking get their hands on. So I think the bigger issue is that the media outlets are more like hip hop DX and they're just giving little snippets or whatever, as opposed to like feeding into this type of shit where we can like document a lot of these stories and then kind of make some engaging, interesting things that are like, you know, piecing it together differently. They want us to be stupid and dumb and they want us to perpetuate stupid and dumb shit so that our fucking children grow up mm. to be stupid and dumb. That's what they want. So at least in Montreal, I've been able to listen to about 10, 11 different young people, like under the age of 22. They all sound real smart, and they all apparently grew up listening to Tupac and Lil Wayne, and then everything in between. So I'm really hopeful about this next generation, to be honest, because they seem to be like that. They also seem to like dancing. They also seem to be interested in production. They, and I'm like, hmm. They're like really fascinating. I'm talking about the young, young ones, not like the the. Yeah, yeah, that doesn't surprise me though. Everything goes in cycles, right? If you go to New York City right now, it looks like 1988. Yeah, I know what you mean. Got high top. Everybody got high top fades and beads and shikis and fucking MCM suits and you know what I mean. Travel Fox and fucking British Knights are coming back and like the graffiti came back. Everything is the way it was when I was 16. You know what I'm saying? And like. That sound is coming back, right? Sample heavy boom bap hip hop with bars is making we're it's in a renaissance right now. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like everything goes in cycle. So it wouldn't surprise me if we see that. But I you also know, what know I mean? that goes. It would be cool a, if we did. There's a know? thriving breakdancing scene in Montreal. There's a thriving DJ. I scene lived in, in NDG for years. Yeah, straight up. We on NDG right now. Um but like, so I see, I know that there's a thriving DJ scene that doesn't talk to me at least, or that I don't know a lot of the rappers know them. There's a thriving fucking b-boy scene, which is actually popping. I think we all know about them because they used to bop off at Atwater a lot. Um, then you got like... Tactical tactical crew used to be the main b-boy crew out of your city. I don't know if it's still that way, but I'm pretty used to be ignorant tactical. to it. I've yet to go down this journey with b-boy people yet due to it being COVID and me Dude, not going anywhere. All you gotta anywhere. do is go to fucking under pressure. Yeah, but under pressure, I performed at last year. And guess where it was? It was at Foof's in an empty bar by myself with, like, seven people in the room because of, well, we're in Quebec. It's still a red zone lockdown. So, unfortunately for me, it's a little challenging to go meet people right now. But this hey, man, I, 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 I did many shows at Fofone Electric. Many. But that was my first one, and I had waited my whole career for it, and it was an empty fucking fafoons to a fucking camera. But it was still under pressure. I don't care what anyone says. I have an under pressure 25 mask, and there's like, you had to have actually gone to that shit to get that shit. So I feel special with that. But, um. I performed at the first three. Yo, that's blessed. Actually blessed. That's okay, we'll get there. No, 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 hold on. I, I hear you. Right. You want me to blow your mind? Yeah, let's do it. Check this out. Blow my mind. I have a I have a team Autobot tattoo. Okay, okay, that's actually fresh as fuck. In case people don't know, the Autobots is a collector out of NDG that did a whole bunch of amazing things back in the seminal parts of Anglo Montreal hip hop. 
of which not to mention that C C's who who from under pressure is originally a team Autobot member. I know that. I'm still learning this. I know yeah. what it is because I, I know Blasters now. Like Blasters is on Twitch and shit, so I know him. Um, and I'm piecing history together, yo. For me, it all started with Preach and Kobia last summer, and he's like, "You don't know shit," and I'm like, "Hmm." Preach has now made a that's very how good me, point. Me and Willie, that's how me and Willie know each other. That's amazing. You want to hear? You want to talk about Montreal hip hop? Always talk to me and Willie at the same time. I Willie come in here right now. We'll tell you about the the, the original days of Montreal hip hop. I was there for all that shit. I'd rather. That's what I'm saying. Mm, like, I'm so tired. It's such a tempting offer, but we could just do that on another stream where the three of us talk about Montreal hip hop history at a later point. Because I want to get your story. This is your show, right? Well, now. my story, my story of Montreal is such a huge part of my story. So we'll get to that, which is perfect. But we can still do that, Willie. Really Willie Scandals is a huge part of my story. That's mad fresh. Huge part. And Willie's right there yeah. watching, so he's like, "That would be dope." Now, of course, agree. he is. That's my that's my Nietzsche, man. It's my Nietzsche. I would fucking. There's about five people on earth that I would take a bullet for. He happens to be one. Oh, I got a I got a question from Ismail on my side of the chats over here. When did you first hear of Maestro West, Fresh West, Maestro Fresh West? Uh let your backbone slide, twelve inch, in single drop. There's your answer. I don't know. That's. I don't know. Sometimes, uh, sometimes Wait, so like, I don't have was follow ups to that. That was 88. Nineteen eighty eight. The first time I seen Maestro live, he opened for Ice T at the Opera House. Okay. Um, all right. So let's go back. So you're young and you're like popping off and you're doing all of this like seminal hip hop work. Are you busting rhymes at this point? Are you interested in that or are you just consuming music and dancing? How and would, stuff? how how old are you asking? Like we're still like, at that like when? you're like let's say under 10 age where you were describing before. We haven't actually moved past that. We've just jumped around a lot. I started rapping pretty much like early. Like when I was 10, this is the earliest memory I have. And I know I was rapping before this. Perfect. This is the like, but my mom was really into politics and shit. She worked, she worked with the NDP in Scarborough. Yeah, And at the time, um, at the time, the NDP, Bob Ray, who went on actually to be the premier of Ontario, um, at the time was an alderman in Ward 14 in Toronto. And my mom was working his campaign. So we were in the back, I, we were in the car, I was in the back seat of the car, and we were on our way to some barbecue that they were having a fundraiser for Bob Ray. And she was like, you know what would be really cool if you did a rap for them, you know? So I'm in the backseat of the car and my mom is giving me these political pointers and I did a little NDP rap. And then when we got there, I did a rap for Bob Ray at a fucking, that was my first time rapping live ever. And I was like 10 years old. That is, and fucking, that is a really great yeah. story, man. You're full of them. You weren't lying. That's 19, 1982. Yeah, that's 1982. And that was like somewhere in the fucking the libraries of CBC or CTV or whatever the fucking TV station is. I think it is a videotape of me rapping at 10 years old. You know what I mean? I bet you could request that shit and get it. And then the whole world can see that. Yeah. Shit. I can't even remember what station it was, but mm. you know, I know that it happened. So that's, if I were to say like, that was when the first time I rapped live in front of people. So I was going to say 10 years old is when I started rapping. 
So, I mean, I don't even have to ask the questions with this whole format. We'll just get there. It just all pops out. It's the perfect way to do these interviews. Um, so, basically, you're like 10 years old and you're already a budding MC spitting for politicians, which is... That's fucking incredible already. Um, but, like... <laughs> I, I thought it was dope, but anyways... <laughs> It is what it is, man. You were budding because you yeah. were already invested in the culture for some time with a desire to do it, and you literally busted for politicians. That's what happened. Um, it's just the facts of the situation. Is it cool? Yes, it's very cool. There's no other way to argue it, Mr. Big Caesar. It's just a very cool fucking part of your story. Um, yeah, it's the beginning, I guess. So One, one part of it. So at this point you're ten. Are you like actually freestyling? Are you bus writing songs? Like yeah, how you... yeah, 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 yeah. I was off the top. Um, I wrote as well. Um, I would say that I at that time in my life I was breakdancing all the time. Mm. So when it, so... I was going all the fucking time, like all the time, like I was a good b boy, like I, you know what I mean, like I was. Like, I could be boy, like, at that point, you know? That's fresh. And then, and then, um, I got fatter, and, uh, I just, as I got fatter and food was cooler, I stopped dancing, right? You know what I mean? I relate heavy to that. And, uh, and, uh, and then DJing was, the only reason I didn't become a DJ was because at the time I was broke. I was gonna be you my can't question. Can't buy no fucking turntables and no mixer and shit. Like you can't be a DJ. You know what I'm saying? Like being a DJ is expensive. Yeah, I've heard it's that. Before. Hands down, the most expensive element of hip hop is being a DJ or oh, a producer. I, I heard the graffiti can run up some numbers though, because it explodes nah, and shit. Okay, so are we gonna have a real conversation? Is that what we're doing here? Because here's my real statement. I always love real conversations. If you buy this. This is the key important statement here. If you buy your paint and your markers, you are an aerosol artist. If you don't steal your supplies, you are not a graffiti writer. Okay, I didn't know that. Interesting. That's part of the culture, bro. Dude, I don't know the call. I'm learning it by people. It's not, but this one saying it's called racking. Love it. I didn't know that. But now racking. I'm learning. This is great. We it's got knowledge racking. nuggets flying. Right? You're so, like, don't get me wrong. And people are gonna say, oh now he's telling people to go out and steal. No, no that's nobody not what is I'm telling saying. don't go steal because of that. No, what I'm saying is that culturally, graffiti writers would steal their supplies, then they would go and do graffiti illegally in places they weren't supposed to. That's why it's called bomb the system. That's why, like, you even more more at home for you, if you ever get a chance, you should interview C's. I'm sure he'd be happy to talk about it, how when they started under pressure, it was a massive thing. I was very good friends with Sake at the time. And Sake at the time was all city. He was the number one bomber in all of fucking Montreal. Oh, this is so cool. He was the number one guy. And when, and he was in TA. And when, and when C started under pressure, it literally drove a wedge between TA members. 
Because some people were like, yo, man, we're supposed to fucking steal our paint and fucking bomb where we're not supposed to. Like, this is supposed to be an illegal act. You know what I mean? Like, this is this is what graffiti is. You know what I mean? And Seeds is like, I'm trying to create a fucking outlet for writers to be able to write. But then he didn't invite his homie. He bought, but invited the best writers from all over the world. And they came to write. And they got paint sponsorships from, from paint companies. You know what I mean? But he also asked us to not bomb. Mm. I need you guys to not bomb the city before under pressure. I, I need to not there, have there not be any waves. It caused a big thing. Because it's like, like part of the reason why I stopped writing graffiti, because eventually you get old enough. Like, do I want to get arrested for landing a tag? Do I want to get arrested for stealing paint? Like, dude, is that the story I want to tell my son? You know what I mean? So, so yeah, tons of people do do graffiti. Legal walls are a thing. It's been a thing. But, like, if you... That's aerosol art. That's not graffiti. That doesn't make it any less dope. Okay. I really you know appreciate I mean? like all the, No, I appreciate this distinction. Because the distinction... I'm not really into nomenclature, too. And I also like slang. So all of this stuff is very fascinating to me to, for you to break down. Uh, anytime somebody goes down this way, is like... As Willie just said, legal walls is the equivalent of commercial rap. Fair enough. But I'm also okay There with you go. Whoever said Willie. that, salute to you. It's Willie. Uh, yeah, see? That's my... <laughs> me and Willie. Yeah, no. Me and Willie, bro. Yo, it's, it's fair enough. I know that y'all go back... And I appreciate the conversation. Um, for me, like, yeah, I'm going to try and talk to them. I made some connections with Under Pressure recently. Uh, I mean, I performed, so I got to go and meet at least a couple of these people. One of them followed my Twitch. I don't know which one, but somebody from Under Pressure followed the Twitch. So at least they're aware of me. Um, but that's all, all good and love. But, um, no, this is great. Uh, so basically... <coughs> You're, are, are you are you still in Toronto when you're 10 or have you left at that point I am in an undisclosed location I am on isolation right now so no no when you were 10 not now oh sorry um when I was 10 I was in Scarborough <laughs> and we had just moved from Teasdale to Malvern in Scarborough okay <clears throat> which to me feels like Toronto, but I know that it's not the same thing. I've looked at the maps and I went there and I got the breakdown about how Toronto is only a really small part of the area. Um, well, Teasdale was in Toronto. Okay. Melbourne was in Scarborough. All right. Uh, so then you end up at this point, are you, uh, so you go along through school and then at some point you end up in a band, you said, so are you learning instruments along the way? Is that a big problem? No, well, that was there. There's mad space in there. I, I, uh, well, let's fill the I space. When I was, uh, huh? Well, let's fill the space. Okay, so I'm trying to think of exactly what fucking happened. I don't like, I mean, from 10 to 14, not a lot fucking happens. You're a 10 year old, you know what I mean? Like, you do I guess a lot stuff. happened, but really not a lot. I just kept being a kid, you know what I mean? And, you know. And I rapped and stuff, but I didn't do anything with it. Like, I wasn't, like... He was honing the skill, like, sharpening swords, yeah, living the life. A lot of ciphers. A lot of beatboxing and a lot of ciphers. So you beatbox and you know ciphers. I mean? Now we learned you're a beatboxer. I, I, I used to be really good. I'm still good, but I'm not really good anymore. But I used to be really good at beatboxing. That's fresh. Because when I grew up, 
when I was when I when, like when I was like rapping off the top every single day of my life, like you know what I mean? If you didn't know how to beatbox, you couldn't really cipher because that's how the cipher kept going, right? Okay. The rappers knew how to beatbox. So you'd rap the other say there's four guys, three guys beatbox together, make a decent beat, the one guy raps. Then it switches. You know, he stops rapping, another guy starts rapping, and they, you know what I mean? Like, you had to know how to beatbox to keep the cypher going. It's not like, you know what I mean? Now people play instrumentals off their phones and all kinds of bullshit. You know what I'm saying? But, like, at that time, it was like, you know what I mean? Even if you had a boombox, like, instrumentals weren't a thing. Like, you had to, if you weren't a DJ, you didn't have instrumentals. Okay. Only the DJs had instrumentals. They were on the B-sides of 12 inches. Right. No, I love it. was the only place where you could find it. I just never, I didn't know about this three rapper beatboxing thing. Now I'm picturing it. In no, I was just sense. using that as an example. Like, people had to know how no, to keep, like, at least be able to know how to keep a beat so that you could keep the cypher going. Man, it's so nifty that you're breaking it down like that. Because this kind of, like, influences, again, in how people hone their skills. So let's say all you ever do is cop type beats off of YouTube and rap your shit like that. Your whole flow is songwriting for life. You're never really going down the other path to the same degree because mm -hmm. you already got that constraint. Whereas busting acapellas or that live environment and the energies of other people are both, I would say, both completely different things. So there's just being by yourself. It's all just different vibes, right? So they all end up taking you different places with your art. And I do think that the environment where you learn to create the art and the environment upon which you perform the art greatly impacts the art. I agree with that 1000%. When I was younger, because obviously rap became the thing that I did, obviously. Right. You know what I mean? But for years, and when I say years, I mean a really long fucking time, including my time in Montreal, I was a graffiti writer and a rapper. That's fresh. I've never been good at visual arts like that ever. So. So, my life eventually became wake up, go rack paint. Like, this, again, if you talk to certain people in Montreal who were there, really will tell you, too. This is the era in Montreal where, like, graffiti was a real fucking problem. You know what I mean? Like, the city were having, like, meetings about, like, there was a million dollars damaged on last year to the city with you know, because of graffiti and like it was a thing and there was crews that were all city. Like there was so much graffiti and like fucking we're the reason they put the fucking, the, you know, the, 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 the fucking fence grates like in front of the spray paint shit and Rona and stuff in Montreal. Cause we used to go in there and like literally load up fucking shopping carts with paint and markers and then we would go to the back in the fucking garden area and cut a hole in the tarp load the shit into the trunk a lot of fucking stealing paint back then mm. right so we would wake up in the morning steal paint then we would go generally to sea lock i don't know if the, if his spot's still open but sea lock used to have a have a graffiti store right beside st laurent station i don't know if it's there and sea lock sea lock used to have a store and we used to go there and we'd sell him 
enough paint and markers that we stole to be able to like get food and like do whatever we needed to do for the day, buy drinks or whatever. And then we would keep the rest. And then at night we would fucking paint all fucking night. And then we would wake up and we'd do the same thing. But during that whole thing shit, we were rapping the whole time. The whole time we were rapping. Cypher after cypher after cypher. I hung out with Lowe's. You know who Lowe's is. You live in Montreal. Yes. Right? Lowe's used to be a writer back in the day too, right? I did not know that. Yeah. Lowe's was a writer. Mobber. Econ. BTS crew. There was fucking Lowe's was fucking all city for years. Interesting. And he rapped too. I had a crew. I was in a, a rap crew with Shades of Culture, Lowe's, myself, Tommy Matola, Narcissist. We'll leave it there. And it was called Hard Grimers. It's called Hard Grimers. And we performed at the first two years of Under Pressure. That's fresh. That's yeah, Montreal, man. Nah, Montreal. Yeah. Like, for me, it's like, yo, like, I come into it in 2012, right? And for about a long time, I'm a hater because there's a lot of negativity around, and I don't understand it. And, you know, like, you just think, yo, you're better than other people, blah, blah, blah. And you start talking a lot of shit, and then that doesn't really help your case when you're, like, dealing with people who have been in the game for 10 years. Um... And then as I started like learning about how deep the culture within Montreal goes, I start realizing, um, yo, most people I know don't know a fraction of what happened prior to the internet. And it's not for a lack of desire. It's, it, it's honestly a bit of a lack of documentation or resources. You have to know no, what documentation is huge. But it, it's not easy to know it. You have to like know what a noise labs thing is to go find those videos. You have to know what a thing the is. Reason. Sorry? Camera, you know what I mean? Like, no, I was going to say, like, people, if you want to know what happened in Montreal before or anywhere before the internet, you literally have to be at someone's house who took pictures of everything. Which is where we're like trying to kind of bridge some gaps here by like yo these stories and stuff I, we can't it's not the same thing but what's what's nifty is we were just talking to this Shpeli guy and he was describing this spot over by Lionel Gruel and he was he was just describing graffiti and like the kind of like so you're like almost adding on to his story a little bit and giving even more flavor to that context so like to me I'm super grateful because you I don't know how to you can't google this this isn't googleable dude <clears throat> Montreal, the spot, the meeting spot where everybody used to meet all the time was on top of the Spectrum rooftop downtown. Okay, I don't know. That I is. don't even know if Spectrum's there anymore. Maybe I don't. But I don't it know. basically was the rooftop of Spectrum, and you could get up there, and there was so much graffiti out there, up there, and like you, we would go up there and drink up there, we'd smoke up there, we'd cipher up there. You would just paint up there, like you would do whatever up there. You just hung out on Spectrum rooftop. That was like a spot where like people met. You know what I mean? And like fucking and that was like a different time. That's what I'm saying. Like, it's not the same, man. Like, I don't even know. Do do younger rappers hang out as a crew and rap with each other? Actually, yeah, they're bringing it back because they went and looked up what y'all did, and they're fucking more into it than what millennials did. If anything, your grievance is more with like late twenties, early thirties people than with like really young people. 
like 25 to like 35 is really who the people you should really have the most grievance with because we're the ones that didn't do a lot with it and so the younger ones are looking at us not popping in our 30s and going hmm let's go back and look at what happened different and you're watching collect yo i literally talk to like 18 year olds and they're telling me like yo i got the the all these people working together we got the crew squad squad crew crew collective this and i'm like no shit oh i gotta I find know, people man. so now i'm sitting there like okay gotta get my collective on okay who wants to be in the squad and we're all like really like i think it's like really coming back to that because a lot of us have realized the unsustainability of this individualistic Dude, model. it would make me ha nothing would make me happier than to see the culture move forward like that's all i want really i think you're gonna get parts of what you want in ways that you might not you know want. What I, mean? I don't like <laughs> but collectives and all of this yeah big time a lot of these people like yo look at brockhampton they're like fucking 11 people including the videographer and the fucking promo guy and like everybody's in brockhampton they're the whole squad not everybody's What's in the brockhampton? they're like 11 dudes they make uh i find their music has depth but they make alternative hip-hop you could call it they consider themselves a boy band but they make alternative hip-hop and everybody's in the crew so the beat makers is in Brockhampton, the video guy is in Brockhampton, the dude who does all the press is in Brockhampton, everybody's in Brockhampton, in the whole squad. So it's really, a, 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 and they're so successful. They're very, like, able to do things independently. I think they inevitably got signed. But they got signed on the kind of deals you want, not on the 360 garbage. No, oh, I got you. So, like, I, I see this happening all over a lot of people look at the bay area and they go hmm what's going on there a lot of people look at the ecosystem in atlanta and go hold up there's money being made over there and i think a lot of people in this era are going now that we can google shit, let's find some different ways to do things is my i think this decade is going to be the most blessed decade in a long time for music just on some oh man you know what i hope you're right bro like, i hope you're right look, i was like, bumping I'm your kinda, stuff i'm getting tired i'm getting tired of puking in my mouth you know but like at the other hand of it is it's the marketing has shifted a little bit, right? So it used to be that your commodity sales would feed you and then it became your touring, which is more towards experience plus your commodity sales would feed you. Yo, COVID fucked it up. But it also let this happen. Let's be real. The likelihood I could have talked to you like this without the COVID would have been a lot harder to actually ever get we have we've had at least nine people in this chat i don't know if much. i agree with you i don't know agree with you i i think i think that like there's never been a lot of fucking outlets for artists right I, like, can i counter that with history of my channel I spent the whole pre-COVID time begging motherfuckers to come through on my interview. Then COVID started, and I had to beg people to come through. And, like, what, 10 people, 11 people came through in that whole begging period? Why? Because they had to come to my crib, and it was all in person, and there was just scheduling. And then people would come here, and there were time constraints because you had to go because it is and that. Then red zone lockdown is real illegal to have people in your house kicked in. And I'm like, I can't be snitching myself on fucking camera. So people couldn't come here no more. Um, and then I moved it to Twitch, and it was just so much easier to do this, this particular thing. Because I was being exactly this. I, I feel that. I feel... 
And Willie can attest to it because Willie was here in, in person prior to that. But it was weird. Nobody wanted to come. Of course he was because Willie takes himself seriously but and like, he knows that you need to do shit like that. It wasn't until it was Zoom calls and Twitches and nobody actually had to come here that people were willing to really come and do it. So I would have to argue that in my life, yo, this was blessed for me in this capacity as media. Was it blessed in my capacity as a rapper? Yes. Nah, I mean. Definitely. It's well, I mean, everything yeah, in my exactly. life has been good. That's what I was just about to say. I could see it being blessed from a media standpoint. I can tell you as an artist that, like, and even then, it's like, and I'm only saying this as an artist, like, you always, we always have to be like, yo, I want to be on your show and this and that. And, like, you get a lot of fucking people that just don't reply or, like, you know what I mean? Like, 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 you'd be surprised, like, people have outlets, but their outlets are specifically for who they feel like having on their shit. You know what I mean? It's not really just, like, you know what I mean? Fucking, I, th- I guess everyone's like that. No, I have But, well, like, I, fi- I find it's hard to get media, man. Like, as an artist, like, it's hard you know to what? get media. I thought it was really hard to get media, too. Now I'm media. So then I became media, and after a long-ass time... I got some interviews. It was real fun. It took eight and a half years. No, I got one early on from the NDG local fucking paper there. Some guy has it. I have that newspaper clipping Suburban or whatever. Um, anyway, that's all fun and good. I think media and marketing have shifted and are never going back. And that's a whole separate conversation. But I think that uh, the way the climate has shifted, uh, pretty much anybody can make anything they want. And as long as they create the right experience it can be uh, really beneficial. Like you creating that podcast created an ecosystem of interest greater for you, in my opinion, because it got me more interested in you because I got to hear you think and that made me more curious about you in more capacities. It made me more willing to listen to your music, believe it or not. Had you not done that podcast, you would have just been another rapper, dude. And that's... Oh, and I get that. And that's like unfortunate, but like, yo, there are thousands and thousands of people doing this right now. If not tens, hundreds of thousands of rappers all busting out track. So it's like when you start getting into like, who's more than just a rapper? Who's an influencer? I I know it's a negative. You know what? It's funny though, because to me, I get, and this is where my age comes in. It should just be about your product. Like, are you dope or not? Right? Like, you know what I mean? Like, but then your age group like, made everything free on marketing. It was your age group that did this shit. I work in software. I watch this shit happen. So it's all people your age that are in positions of power that force this shit upon us with freemium. Do you remember freemium? Let's give it away a little no. bit. That's when software land, that's all those free games with microtransactions. It's Fortnite. That's like, let's, let's give away a lot of free shit. So there's a lot of people around your age group in CEO positions that made decisions to make the world free and then you pay for the experience in an ecosystem and they condition the whole world to want that so it was trust it wasn't us that invented this shit (laughs) i didn't do shit nah but it was like it wasn't you (laughs) but just to like put it out there i watched that happen and i'm like yo no so it's not really you're right it's not really about the product anymore it's more about the experience if we make a blessed show and experience trust me bro like i i say this all the time and it makes me sound like a fucking asshole but I 1,000% have the catalog to back it up. I will put my catalog up against anyone's favorite rapper. Straight up. Actually, I heard your your catalog and I said, 
okay, this guy can rap. That was my first fucking thought when I heard you rap. I said, he's not, because, he's, yo, like, nine times out of ten, you hear the grandiosity and the opinions, and then you put on the song, and you're like, nah, And then they're hot ass. And even, like, they could be really good at, like, the one thing. <clears throat> but, nah, you prove versatility with it. You proved a lot of styles, and you proved a consistent effort to almost go on that god body shit, which I thought was nifty. That aged you a little more than other things. You're like that god body fucking hip hop era theming with the knowledge and conscious of self type shit the whole way through. That is the thing that ages you the most in your music. But the technique, yo, I'm pretty sure you threw sauce on one of your Spotify tracks. I'm pretty sure you threw a little sauce on something over there. I was really, I was impressed with your versatility and your willingness to adapt and your willingness to I just do what I feel. I do what I feel like doing. I don't like, I don't have like a. You know what I'm, you know what, like, it depends on when you talk to me, too. For example. That's honest. I, I, I like that. I just finished recording a project called Alignment, where it's seven songs. I got a, a girl that I know to do a two-card reading on each chakra. So we started with the root chakra. She did the oracle card and a tarot card reading for the root chakra, specifically for me. Then I did the song, recorded the song. Then we did the next chakra, same thing. Did the song, recorded the song, next chakra. In a week, I did a project, seven songs, right? I'll give it to and you. Then, That's interesting. That's as interesting as your Dilla birthday project. Because you explained the theme in one of your tracks where you just did the whole thing in a day and you just fucking weren't going to write yeah. anything down. It was Jay Dilla. And now me and Dozens are working on the dungeon sessions, which is just me and him all on organized noise beats. It's fucking crazy. I just bodied the elevators beat yesterday. Mm. Like Outcast Elevator yeah i like i like outcast bro outcast is like if i have to be honest they might be higher in my top five than i admit they might they should be there if they're not like kind of thing i really like outcast no nah, that's that's dope man so basically we're still at this point where you're like 10 so to 14 nothing happens so what happened at 14 that made you say yeah. something happened <clears throat> well <clears throat> By the time I hit 14, I was getting into a lot of trouble, mm. you know? And my mom, you know, due to circumstance, you know, two jobs, went back to school. She was just never there, you know what I mean? So I was just, like, by myself. So um, I was getting in all kinds of trouble. And my, my dad... Um, kind of popped up okay that that was his way he would pop up he'd go away and then he would pop up so this was one of his many pop-ups and he popped up me and my mom weren't getting along i was becoming my own man i wasn't following the rules and she wasn't really there to keep them anyway you know Right. And I was still rapping and stuff, definitely. Um, and my dad came along and 
he got married on my 14th birthday. Oof. That's a... Like, he remarried another woman on my 14th birthday. So, and he was living in North Bay, Ontario. So, I went from Scarborough up to North Bay. Came home after that, after that. And I was like, I want to go live with that. We had a big fight about it. My mom let me go. She shouldn't have let me go, but she let me go. When I went up to my dad's, everything changed. Everything changed when I went to my dad's. I went from Scarborough, Ontario, fat kid. You know, I had a few friends, but I still wasn't like, you know what I mean? Okay, I was saying that there was one other black person um, besides myself. Her name was Wanda. Okay. And I went to this school, but everything changed. I started getting all kinds of girls because I was the only black guy, you know? <laughs> I was into rap music. I dressed trendy. Like, I was cool now because I was in a small town. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, it was so weird. You know what I mean? All of a sudden, it became cool. Like, and then, but none of the dudes liked me. So I was getting in fights all the fucking time. But one of the things that two things happened. One of the things that happened is the metalheads of all people and they were guys usually pick on us all the time. You know, like it was totally like on some outsider shit, like the socials, like the jocks, you know? And fucking so they were like, oh, you're cool. We'll hang out with you. So I hung out with the metalheads, which which introduced me to, to metal in an era where it was just as important as hip-hop. You know? Can you elaborate on what 80s. you mean? We're the, this is the 80s, so we're talking about Metallica, Guns N' Roses, mm. ACDC, Iron Maiden, like, all these metal bands that, like, defined an era. You know what I'm saying? And, like, so I was hanging out with all these kids that was into that shit, but they appreciated hip-hop because they were outcasts. Okay. So they could relate to the whole like outcast society you know what i mean like that's what makes hip-hop culturally so cool is it's out it's 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 fucking it's a it's a fucking culture for outcasts right right you know for fucking derelicts or whatever you want to fucking call them you know what i mean and like metal is pretty much the same thing same as punk rock it's all like you know what i mean anti-establishment fucking fuck big brother like you know, fuck you, like, I'll fucking do what I want to do type thing, you know? So these guys were mad cool. So I grew up in a city for a while where, like, metal was the shit. There wasn't anyone into rap music, you know? And then as time passed, a couple of years passed, I was up there. And then I made a couple of friends. And it was funny because all of us were guys who grew up in Toronto who through whatever happened, their families ended up in North Bay, Ontario. And all of us were guys that were into rap who didn't know each other in Toronto, who became friends up north. And I had a rap group up north with myself and a bunch of other guys. But one of the other guys that, I, that was in the group was Ninth Uno, who's a rapper from Toronto. Mm. And uh, he's, one, he's still, to this day, one of my favorite rappers on the planet. And... Uh, like, I spent time up there, but that, like, that had such a huge in, influence on me. Like, that was where I formed my first rap group. 
That was where I did my first demo. That was where I did my first shows. That was where, you know what I mean? We used to go to Sudbury and do shows for Project Wise all the time. Yo! Fuck me. I like Project Wise a lot. They yeah, are... now they're dead celebrity status, right? Sort of. Now they've like rebranded into something else, I'm pretty sure. Where like one. No, the... yeah, it's called Dead Celebrity status. No, no, no. Past... Yo, I'm a big Dead Celeb fan. Don't even get me wrong. Okay. We fall, we fall drops when I'm like getting into music. So I'm like, what the fuck? I bought that dead celebrity. I had like a physical of the dead celebrity project. Yeah. I copped the project. Why is that? Are you jump like room to breathe and the fucking other one that came out literally are in songs that you shaped don't even know my like, musical fucking interest for dude that is to me that project wise album is one of the most perfect sounds ever created and nobody yeah. agrees north, with me <laughs> north of toronto at that time there was only two rap groups there was project wise you know project wise wow i don't that was, that was my dudes like we went to each other's houses like we came up doing rap together. We were only an hour apart from each other, right? I used to memorize their albums, man. I was memorizing yeah. their albums in high school. Oh, that's cool as fuck, dude. I even like the fucking 2000 and something later on recent project they did that nobody really heard. No, they're fucking both really fucking dope, man. They're mm. both really fucking dope. Bobby and Yes. And, uh, <clears throat> yes, sir. Fuck. Yeah, man. So, that, that, my me leaving Toronto, I think, was really good in the sense that, like, now I was doing hip hop. Not only was I doing hip hop, but I was the flag bearer for the culture in a in 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 a different city. Okay, that's fucking cool. You know what I'm saying? Like, like if you talk. To people in North Bay, they talk about it still. They're like, "Yo, like, like we made it that we made it okay. Like we we took all the fighting, all the the beatings, all the whatever. Like we like we did that. You know what I mean? To make it okay, you know. Now there's like a little tiny hip hop scene in North Bay. There's promoters there, fucking DJs, shit. You know, and like." So that so that was a big thing that happened. After that, I ended up in Montreal. Okay. But. I'm still processing how cool it is that you know Project Wise, which to me is like like as if you knew Metallica. I'm not lying. It is that cool to me that you know these guys. Like they are in like a really high esteem in my opinion. And I really still to this day like know Room to Breathe by Heart. I could probably karaoke that motherfucker. That's so cool. If I wasn't on my phone right now talking to you, I could call them. Oh my fucking word, dude! That's tripping. Yeah, like in a good way. I mean, that's like like one step away from knowing those dudes in some. That's fucking cool. Anyway, so you moved to Montreal. What part of Montreal do you bop to? And what high school do you go to? Because that's like I went a... to uh, Lester B. Pearson in Scarborough. Okay. Then I went to. West Hill in Scarborough. Then I went to Chippewa Secondary School in one, in North Bay. Then I went to every single other high school in North Bay. <laughs> Fair enough. Then I dropped out of high school. Um, 
Never went back. Fair. Um, um, this is where, like, the years start running into each other for me, right? There was a lot of drugs and drinking during that, that period. You know what I mean? Especially so, coming to Montreal after that, which probably... Yeah, like, I don't... You know what I mean? Like, I like there's, there's a lot of gaps for me. Willie would be able to probably give you years better than I would be able to. Don't worry. We're going to have that chat in the future, trust. But, uh... Uh, I ended up in Montreal. I actually ended up out west first. I ended up in BC for a while first. I went out. No, that's a lie. That's a lie. So, to be fair, I went to Montreal. Hold on. No, I went out west first. When I left North Bay the first time, I hitchhiked. He said, well, he says North- Montreal, then BC. And then back to Montreal again. Because I remember coming back. See, see, see? Oh, well, he, he's here. See? He's got it. He's holding it down. Yeah. Because, because I remember when I went back to Montreal, I was on the radio stations and all that stuff. And I was telling Montreal about my time in British Columbia. Like, I remember that specifically, like, because my time in British Columbia was pretty big, but I had already been in Montreal before that as well. Right. No, fair enough. Um, Montreal first. Yeah. I went to Montreal. Montreal is all hip-hop for me. Everything about Montreal is hip-hop for me from day one. All right. So I get off the bus in Montreal. I don't know what fucking year this was. Who fucking knows? You know what I mean? Um, I get off the, I get off the bus in Montreal. I'm going to say that this is like 94. Okay. Somewhere around. Right. Maybe earlier. No, I'm going to say 94. Straight up. Somewhere around there. It doesn't really matter. I'm not sure what year it was. I'm in like grade so one. So I get off the bus. <laughs> I get off the bus. I'm downtown Montreal. I don't know anybody, right? Like I literally like back then. I literally would just go places and be like, go steal some fucking paint and fucking paint until I found other writers. Like, I like, I totally like hip hop was a thing and I like let it take me everywhere with like no money, no home, no, like, (laughs) no idea like what the fuck I was doing. I just like, I literally traveled all over the place, like hitchhiking and fucking living the culture everywhere that I went, you know? And, I got to Montreal and I was hanging out downtown Montreal in some park somewhere. And this redhead guy comes up to me, total French guy. And he's trying to talk to me, right? But I don't understand what he's saying. You know what I mean? So he's like talking, talking. And then he said, he's like hip hop. He says rap. I'm like, wait, hip hop, rap? He's like, yeah, rap, 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 you know? So... He, I don't know whatever happened to him, but he rapped under the name Rufu. Redheaded guy. White, white, white dude, redhead guy. And he took me down in Penis. And there was two places. The first place he took me to was like a record slash cold clothing store. Don't remember the name of it. Mm. 
but it was owned by a guy named Bashir and DJ Rex. Okay, I've heard from, of this from Hold on. No, keep talking. DJ Rex. DJ Rex from Montreal worked at that store and DJed at that store. Fair enough. This was when DJs used to fucking DJ and work at fucking clothing, at hip-hop clothing stores. And fucking... So Rufu takes me there. I make friends with DJ Rack. That was the... that the, the, I was introduced to DJ Rack through this Rufu guy. This, this Rufu guy let me stay. He took me to his house, let me stay at his house, all kinds of shit. He totally took care of me, man. Stranger off the street. Introduced me to these people. That led me to the... I know that this place isn't open anymore, but right down the street from the store was the Hip Hop Cafe. <laughs> and it was a place called the Hip Hop Cafe. And kids used to hang out there and they would paint in their black books and, you know, sketch in their black books. And it was like a drop-in center for kids and peanuts. You know what I mean? Right. And uh, they called it the Graffiti Cafe. It was really cheesy, like, a bunch of really shitty, cheesy graffiti on the walls, and like the people that worked there didn't know anything really about the culture, but they at least were trying to provide, you know, a safe environment for fucking young people. So you know what I mean. And uh, so I went there, but then I made really good friends with DJ Rex, and me and DJ Rex did everything together for the longest time. That led me to uh, the first radio show I was on. He was the DJ on the show. Um, Osan de la Rue, here to the streets. And then, <laughs> then that was the first radio show that led me to like all the other radio shows and, and which led me to off the hook, which is how I met Orion revolution from Shades of Culture. I met Orion for the very first time in my life on a zoom call on fucking Saturday. Really? I you should go to his store. He's got a skateboard store. Everything is closed in Montreal at the moment. <laughs> but once it's open again and we're back to life and shit for sure but no for real he was yeah uh, at the cra- no. he uh, produced the song for the new crack lips cool man logan album so uh that's, that's amazing so uh I met- him him and d shade are the reason that i'm here right now straight up okay tell me more about so- that then so I made friends with them. Me and D Shade, especially. D Shade used to be bananas off the top. He was a really good freestyle rapper. Willie too. Willie, this is how Willie comes into the story. Me and Willie met through Shades of Culture. That's how me and Willie know each other. Okay. Because Willie used to come to the radio show all the time. <laughs> right. I and know about this and part. Chief from FBI from Willie's group, badass Indian, fucking badass Indians. Chief was like the guy, and he was really good off the top, and he used to battle people all the time. And so, and uh, on Off the Hook Radio, there was battles all the time. So rapper, all the rappers from the area used to battle all the time on this radio show. They would come in and go verse for verse, and we all kind of met each other like through that radio show. That was like the landing pad at the time, you know. Mm. And Shades of Culture. Mr. Len from Shades of Culture went to jail. Uh, I don't remember what for. Um, it doesn't matter. Um, it wasn't anything that makes him, you know, like, it was regular shit. You know what I mean? Um, 
So Shades of Culture didn't have a hype man anymore. So say Shades of Culture put me on, bro. They're like, come with us. And they took me everywhere. They bas- I basically took the spot of Mr. Len. And I toured all over the place with fucking Shades of Culture. Vans Warped Tour open for Eminem. Fucking all kinds of shit with those guys. They took me all over the fucking place. But basically why? doing their back vocals. They let me rap every night on stage. They let me do a verse. I was like, my dudes, man, they literally took a kid, like, just a guy. They're the whole fucking reason that I ended up having any sort of semblance of a career in music is because of my time in Montreal. So you come to Montreal. You link up with Shades of Culture when they go ahead and make history for Anglo-Montreal hip-hop. And I was there for that shit. All of it. My first record deal was with Windmill Records. I don't know. I, don't, I know I know what it is, but I'm not recalling what. Windmill Records was the label that Shades was signed to. Wow. A lot of that is super nifty. Cause like I, so I talked to Pre-Chancobia, and he broke this all down to me, and I was just like. And then I literally have a note file I made. I was looking, because I know he talked about that red guy. I was trying to see if I could find it before. So a lot of this shit went from a note file. And then as I go through these interviews i get to learn more about the story but what's but i know d shade like it's just i didn't know who d shade was until i really got to this part of the story but i know him d shade for a minute because he's the humblest motherfucker i ever met he's <clears throat> always been that way and um yo so it's like i just feel blessed to know that like i got to like know him in some way and see that like you could be so significant and then end up being so just helpful and humble and just cool like d-shade is fucking cool he's always been so kind to me even though i was kind of not i was a little rude to him when i shouldn't have been in my arrogance when i was younger so i respect the fact that he was really cool with me um but still i had no idea that you were there for any of that when we talked i had no idea you were even like willie's like you always from montreal and i'm like he's from montreal i thought he's from toronto it says from toronto on his facebook <laughs> and i'm like i had no idea any of this before we came into this but conversation the, see, first of all i love you willie because <laughs> willie will tell you i've never ever said i'm from montreal because i wasn't born there right like mm. i came there it embraced the shit out of me you know what I mean? Like, that's why I said earlier now it makes even more sense to you how I'm like, yo, Montreal is such a huge part of of, well, of my whole fucking thing. You know what I mean? I literally. But I'm not from there. I just I spent. no fucking. You're in shades of culture in a sense. No, not I was like not. in, like, but in a sense. It's no, not... I was not in shades of culture. No, I, in a sense, I was like, my brain, you toured with them. That's like. You're, yeah, you get, but I, you get like, to be I just on credit don't want somewhere. anyone to ever say that I said something I didn't say. You didn't say it. I was interpreting. Nobody can put yeah. anything on Big Caesar here for claiming shit. Holden is clarifying so that there is no miscommunication. Yeah, I was. I was basically their hype man. That's hype. Then man. we went on to form Hard Grinders. We were in Hard Grinders together. Me, them, Lowe's. Like I said earlier, Narcissist, Tommy Matola. That's a pretty fucking heavy-hitting list of fucking rappers, to be honest. And uh, we had a crew. We used to fucking murder it. Those were the days, bro. Fair. Fucking write graffiti all night, rap all day, man. That was my life. Mm. 
my life is very different <laughs> it's like sit in front of a computer where i write songs on the internet live like i talk to people live and it's, it's so weird and different but believe it or not I had the experience of working with a DJ for the first time over Twitch where he spins and I like freestyle over it and we're doing that on Twitch. It's not exactly hip hop, but it's, you know, still me. How, how is that like for latency and shit? If you freestyle, you're consistently offbeat. So you're good. If you you're hilarious. If you do a track. <laughs> well, I mean, if you have rhythm, you're going to be all right. Because when you hear that after... It just sounds nice. Nobody in the audience knows. Like it's off by like a little millisecond or five. If you do your song, it's gonna sound like ass. I learned all this the hard way, but the that's why we freestyle, cause uh, we do this off the dome fucking shit on Tuesdays too. Um, on on the channel where, literally, we got to see Willie start busting off the domes where he's like fucking destroying us with his words and stuff, and we got like yo Willie is. We got uh, Willie Wilbur. He's fun. There's few people that are cut from our cloth. Willie is that's my guy. <laughs> yeah, Willie's a, my guy, man. I would say Willie's my guy too. So we have that in common because you know I'm, that's my guy. Me and Willie's like digital people is doing this shit now. So it's like Willie's actually part of my digital version of the story, which is kind of where we're at in the new era. And then it's like if anyone wants to come bust a freestyle, now just hop on a Zoom. We just do a little one too. But if you want to do a it's song so, on Zoom, it's like, fucking it, not. It's so. Like, it feels like so long ago to me. You know what I mean? Like, I think I'm finally at that age where I'm just like, oh my god, I'm at that age where I never thought I would be. Like, that's a good I totally thing. feel like the we used to walk barefoot for ten miles. To walk, you know what? That's I'm what just, I feel like. Well, I'm you know cl I mean? I'm closer to it than not, so I'm on my way there if it counts. Like, I'm just sitting there, cat. I'm like. It's my future. I got told about flexibility, and I'm like, I should start stretching more. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't want to get caught off guard here. You know, in a little bit of like back pain started showing up. I'm like, oh, fuck. I got to have – I actually have one of those lumbar supports now because I'm worried about back pains. I never said that shit 10 years ago. No, I feel that. Um, but nah, this is you're wonderful, by the way. I'm really enjoying this. I I know everyone's enjoying this. Everybody watching this is still fucking it. It's it's a great time. Um, but really, thank you for being part of that. Just like as a person who inherited the culture that you helped build up in my city, you know, we're trying to like move it forward in the right direction. Is all I'm saying. So trust, you did something back then. Now we did doing our part today. So it's a blessed circle of life. But I, didn't, I hear that. But I didn't know you were part of it like that. So I'm glad that we had this opportunity. Because, like, again, I'm not even trying to cut it or nothing. I'm just giving you fucking flowers that you deserve. Because you you took the time to come over here and share all this with us, right? And you're, you're exposing part of your life. It's a big deal. It's not the simplest ask of a human, you know? It's not your typical interview, you know? It's, it's, a, little, it's a little more personal than that. So, like, the fact that you're doing it and you're just crushing it, my guy. You're doing everything right. It just makes me really happy that, to know that you're able to make Montreal sound blessed like that. <clears throat> um, I agree with Willie. If y'all have questions, especially about Montreal, anytime, feel free to just fucking interrupt. And in this case, it's totally appropriate because... And then also, because it's going to be lengthy, you're always welcome to come back. You're it's just any time in the future we can set it up. I, I usually just give it three months before I invite people back again. But yeah, 
Anytime, man. I just want you to know that's how good of a job I think you're doing on this shit. Fucking crushing it. What's next? Um, so you're in Montreal, you're with D Shade and them, and you're popping around, and you're fucking... Okay, see, right. now, this is where it's blurry. Willie might be able to help. Willie's there. I left, I left Montreal for BC. Actually, if we're gonna keep it a buck... We should keep it a buck. I was... Very active in the streets. Let's keep it a buck within the realms of not snitching or breaking anything that turns me into DJ Vlad. Yeah, yeah. No, no, I would never do that anyway. It doesn't really matter. I'm not here to brag about how fucking hood I was or whatever. I was very active in the streets, but it's because I didn't have my family or nothing, right? Like, I was very much surviving, like, on my own, you know what I mean? So I was into different things to, to, to be able to make it work, you know what I'm saying? Respect. And... Uh, some of those things weren't the fucking most positive of things. You know what I mean? And there was definitely a lot of, there was definitely a lot of couch surfing. <laughs> there was a lot of, you know. You added flavor to your character. Yeah, there was, there was a lot of fucking things that I, you know, I don't want to say I'm not proud of because it's all part of the fucking journey, but. There's things I would have done different if I if if I could look go back I would have done them different you know what I'm saying I do and I so um, the first time I left Montreal things had gotten a little bit of hectic um actually I'll tell the full story this story actually deserves to be told I never even told this story to anyone ever this is like Excuse this story's crazy. William probably even remember this. There was a guy from Montreal named Can Do. He's a black guy. And he, I can't remember. It might have been Scales Empire. I can't remember the rap group that he was from. But he was from a rap group that was on the Rap Essentials compilation. Okay, I know what that is. Pretty sure it was Scales Empire. Um, not positive, but I'm pretty sure. Fast forward during this whole time, Can Do got into some business with some dudes that no one ever met. That they basically financed his idea for a record label. So where there was this period in Montreal where this dude was all, going all over the fucking city offering everybody record deals. Offered me a record deal, offered fucking Misery a record deal, offered a whole bunch of other, uh, fuck, oh shit. Godfather or something, no. Shit. It's alright, you don't have to worry about all the specific names of people who got deals. It doesn't matter. They offered a bunch of deals to a bunch of people, right? So... I got myself a manager. I'm not going to say the dude's name. Only because he's still fucking, he's still outside, you know? I just, I don't want to be that. <clears throat> that's all, that's, names are off camera yeah, type but, things. Yeah, so a guy, this guy became my manager, okay? At the time, I needed to fucking do what needed to be done to survive out there, you know what I mean? So, 
He helped me with a fucking, you know. He helped me with some weed. Actually, I can say that now because weed's legal. He helped yeah, me with some weed. Just don't talk about stuff that, like too specific about what happened. Yeah, yeah. Let's just... So he helped me with some weed. Fast forward, can do. Gets the money given to him by whoever this investor is. I'm talking like millions, like lots of money. Okay. And disappears. Like, and I got to the point where he had, he had, he had us up in his office. Like I had been in the office into the studio of this record label like five times. I took my manager with me. We sat in the office with this nigga fucking, he, you know, showed us the paperwork, this and that, how to sign things. We're going to give you your signing bonus on this day. You know what I mean? This type of shit. I get this dude to help me out with some weed because we thought I had money coming. Boom, can do fucking disappears. Bam, takes all the money. Leaves fucking, he fucking leaves Montreal, right? Fair. I ended up in debt. I ended up in <laughs> debt with this guy. You know what I mean? In hindsight, he wasn't the kind of person I should have made my manager, but that's a whole other fucking thing. You know what I mean? So at the time, I left Montreal because it was it got hot for me. You know what I mean? So I left. I went to BC, which, I, I mean, I could, BC was fucking amazing as well, right? Um, I'm sure we'll talk about it. I went to BC. I was in BC for however long. I don't even remember how long I was. I was there for a while. And then I ended up coming back to Montreal and going back out to BC, spending time in different places after that. But I had definitely gone all the way west and all the way east a couple times. You know what I mean? When I was younger. But that was my original reason for leaving Montreal is because shit got hot for me because Candu left a whole bunch of people thinking they were going to get money that they never got because he fucking ran away with the fucking pot. <laughs> that's serious. <clears throat> nah. Yeah. Yeah. But that's a piece of Montreal hip-hop history. There are definitely people that are not necessarily going to love me, I think, for the stories I'm going to collect is the truth of the situation. But I agree with you. It is kind of the history. I don't think you're doing it to, like, throw shade at him. Um, I'm not trying to, like... I'm not throwing shades, bro. This is Straight just, up, man. I'm like, saying, like, where where I'm from and where a lot of people I know are from, this is hip-hop we're talking look, about. I've, I've heard cool. this story alluded to, but nobody went, I think, that specific with what happened. Um, so, like... It is a part of the history that probably impacted a lot of people and it kind of maybe explains a few more things along the way of why certain momentum stopped kind of thing. Well, for myself, it changed. It changed everything for me. That was the first time I like I never had an enemy before that. Mm. You know, for shit that was like out of my control, like all one day you're friends with somebody, the next day you owe them money. And it's not even because you fucked up. It's because, you know what I mean? And like, and and having that, like the effect that that has on your life, that shit follows you, you know what I mean? And you're like, you know what I mean? Like that's the beginning, like for me was the beginning of a whole bunch of shit that followed me to different places and shit. You know what I mean? It's It definitely had a massive effect on on your life and the decisions that you make and, and the decisions that you make later, you know? Because it makes you have industry trust issues. So later on when things present themselves, maybe you're not so quick to jump on them anymore. You know what I mean? And maybe you should have. But you didn't because that of that That was really interesting. You know? What you just said there was very remarkable. Um, 
the bad experience you had in this moment was traumatic enough of an experience to make you hesitant to take advantage of opportunities that later presented themselves to you that were legitimate, therefore stunting your growth on some PTSD-like shit. Yeah. For sure. Oof. For sure. That's big. I There's more, like, most artists, like, this industry is filled with fucking broken promises right and good intentions you know what i mean yes like, <laughs> i'm i'm, eight, I'm like, like this is my ninth year i think I, I know exactly what you mean yes you know what i'm saying <laughs> that's that's not to say anything bad or good or throw it shade on anybody but facts but we're changing it we are to... in an effort of change we just need to throw that little silver lining effort yeah. of change of today everyone means well everyone talks a great fucking game if I were to be not exaggerate, I'm going to say 75% of the time shit flops. Yeah, I, I, I got to be careful on that one. I haven't thought about what I want to say publicly on that subject, but you're absolutely well, right. Well, fuck it. I'll say it. I'll say it. Go for it. I, I'm neutral. <laughs> I, I've been, I spent too long now. I spent too long in this scene to not say what the fuck it is. Just, you know just what I mean? be a little careful. A little careful. Don't, don't go too far on me. I don't know what you're going to say. Be as honest as you want, but just be a little bit aware we're live and it can't be edited out of a live. I'm not saying anything that worries me. Okay. Then we're cool. As long as I've given my disclosure, then I've done my due diligence and you may say whatever you need to say. Oh, man. I Like, I'm not... Trust me. I'm not going to... I'm not... That's why I'm not putting people's names like... To me... Like, the reason I said Candu's name is because I know personally that he literally affected an entire era no, of rappers in Montreal. Fair enough. But if you want to comment on the industry, it's okay. I just wanted to make sure yeah. that you're, you're aware, you're aware, then we all good. Yeah, yeah, I know. Sometimes people get butt hurt. They'll cry. Yep. We can hug later if you want. It's fine. I'm not going to get butt hurt, but I'm not. The, anyway, you can say what you got to say. Not you. I'm saying them. <laughs> I give great hugs. <laughs> nah, <laughs> but I appreciate your honesty. I appreciate your truth. And look, I'm trying to be an archival historian. I'm like, look, that's a role. Nobody else is trying to be that guy. That's my main focus here. So it's not always going to be pretty. That's the truth of the situation. And sometimes it's uncomfortable to be in that position. And I'm learning a little bit on the fly because as moments come up, you just busted a big story. I'm going, oh, my fucking God. The whole time, I got a little bit of poker face, we'll say. But, like, I appreciate it. Like, don't don't get me wrong. I really, really do. And so, yeah. Feel, I got feel free to share whatever on your thoughts on the industry that you were going to say before I started talking. <laughs> so after I wanted to, okay, no, there's, see, there's now this important. You want to know the lineage, right? Yeah. Cause everything comes so, out through the lineage. Yeah. So before I left Montreal the first time, all that shit was going on, but culturally I had done a bunch of shows, local shows, hooked up with promoters, knew all the DJs at this point. I had recorded my first two projects at this point. Um, one of them with Chili D. Um, and the other one with DJ Horg, who I know is still active in Montreal right now. And uh, 
one day, I don't remember the name of the club. I don't remember even fucking anything about it other than the fact that the club was in NTG. Um, a group from Vancouver performed that night. They were called Fourth World Occupants. And they had four guys were in the group. It was uh, Emotions, with a Z, <coughs> Death's Wonder, Big Roud, and Cone One, <coughs> who was also a DJ, who was also a graffiti writer. And I met them that that day. So after the show we built, they were amazing, fucking so good, man. To this day, Emotions is one of the best rappers in the country, one of the best beatboxers in the country, amazing b-boy, amazing graffiti writer. Like, he's just, he totally lives the culture. He's from Vancouver. Anybody who's watching or watches later, just look up Emotions online with a Z, and you'll be able to find him. His real name's Dave Nelson. Um... He's got two twin sisters who are also rappers and singers. They're signed to 604 Records. Their father is Paul Hyde from the Payolas. You know, she's got the eyes of a stranger, right? That's his dad. And uh, anyways, one of the most talented dudes I've ever met in my whole entire life is is, is emotions. Right. And uh, we made friends to the point where, like, traded emails, made friends... And I was so affected by meeting them that I was like, I need to fucking check out the scene in fucking Vancouver. Like, if these guys are are, are symbolic of what the scene there is like, I need to go there. You know what I mean? Because he's like, you should see the scene in my city. It's amazing, man. No, 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 no. So when it came time to leave, I hitchhiked all the way from Montreal to fucking British Columbia, all the way to Vancouver. That's a big impact. And uh, I get to Vancouver, same story as Montreal. I get there. I don't know anybody. The only thing I have is Dave's phone number and his address. That's the only thing that I have. I get to the city. Walking around the city, did it and I don't remember how I ended up there. I would imagine I seen the flyer somewhere, but there was a hip hop night that night. I went to the hip hop night that night. I was like, Does it, you guys know emotions? They're all, you know, people are like, yeah, but he's not here. Da-da-da-da. After the show, I make my way to fucking East Hastings, where he's from in the, in the, in the hood, fucking <laughs> Vancouver. And then I waited until the morning, basically, and then I went and knocked on his door. I'm like, hey, what up? <laughs> you know? <laughs> and, like, but that was a time where you could do shit like that. Like, you can't do that now. You know no. what I mean? Like, I grew up you with stranger can't. danger. It's, That's what I grew yeah, up Yeah, life with. is not like that now. You know, <laughs> th- those were the days where you could hitchhike across the country and not worry about getting killed or raped and Yo, for real knock enough, on someone's door. That, that you know, like, is, like, one of those, like things that like when i look up the like the artist when i'm young it's it looks so fucking cool like my dad hitchhiked to vancouver and like spent six months there type shit and i always thought that was the coolest thing my dad did when you know like he just hitchhiked he just got up and he like 
did that. Like that was a thing you could Dude, do. Dude, I hitchhiked everywhere at that point. Like, but that that was the cool part. Another thing that we were really into back then, I got this off of Mocha only after that, not at that point, but later on. Oh, we'll get to that because because this is right. So I get to Vancouver. I meet emotions. Like, I gotta say this when I look back on it, right? Like, hip hop has always kind of guided my shit. You know what I mean? Especially when I was younger. Like, okay. the culture put something in my path. Yeah, that makes sense. So I rode with it because the culture gave it, like, the culture introduced him to me. You know what's interesting? Is it's you know? almost like, because I read the Gospel of Hip Hop by KRS One, right? Uh, he kind of yeah. wrote about hip hop in his very like his tone of voice can be kind of it is what it is i love his knowledge though and the way he like frames this book it's like hip-hop's this religion and if you put faith into hip-hop hip-hop will take care of you and believe it or not that was the book that inspired me to pivot my shit from like me 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 into like maybe i should care about a community which leads me to that moment of being here with you where like i'm interested in hearing about your experiences on that like it kind of is like hip-hop the spirit of it is guiding me in a lot of my choices now that yeah I man absolutely one hundred and fifty thousand percent like who like now when i think about it that's crazy like what do you mean you, you mean you hitchhike no, I never hitchhiked. I said I read the gospel. No, I'm hip-hop. talking about me. One sec, all right? Yeah, I'll no be worries. back in one sec. Right, do your thing, my guy. Everything I've heard from you has been of a very good quality in terms of your performance. The rest of it's whatever. That's an engineer. That's a beat maker. But your performance is always going to be the most interesting part of a song to me. And what you do with your voice is a lot in that instrument range of things as opposed to just fucking saying words. And I really like that about your delivery. Thank you, brother. <clears throat> Thank you, brother. Thank you. Um, so, okay. You, yeah, you were saying you hitchhiked across on the power of hip-hop and it guided you to the other side of the country, which is really far away. Yeah, very far away. I knocked on Dave's door. Um, we built for years. We were friends for years. I, I was part of his collective uh, called Fresh Coast. Um, QC, Q Continuum, I, a whole bunch of things happened. He introduced me, like, there's so many things that happened, right? Like, but one of the coolest things that happened about that was the influence of a different place. Like, so Toronto, I was very young. So, like, at that particular point, I wouldn't even say that I was, like, oh, I grew up in the Toronto hip-hop scene because I actually didn't, really. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? I was a kid. I was a child who liked hip-hop and wanted to do hip-hop, but I was a fucking child. You know what I mean? Then I ended up in North Bay, which led to Montreal, which led to BC, but I didn't really do anything until after I left Toronto. Okay. You know what I mean? So I, I, I would say that, like, another thing that makes me different, and it's probably what makes my music different when you're talking about flows and cadences, is, like, I went these places. Like, I went out to Vancouver and lived on the West Coast. And, like, 
the influence of music is different, right? Like not, and I'm not even necessarily talking about gangster rap. I'm I'm talking about like the rappers that they listened to back then were all double time rappers, like very freestyle fellowship, Basie alone, okay, abstract, rude, Micah Nine, early Twister. You know what I mean? They 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 were really into the Sacramento fucking hip hop scene, like. The gangster rap they listened to, a lot of it was from Sacramento. It wasn't actually like like L.A. gangster rap was kind of like commercial. It wasn't like really gangster rap. You know what I mean? The early shit from like Sacramento was like way more what these guys were listening to. And like that was where I went and I learned what chopping was. I didn't even know what chopping was. Mm. You know what I mean? Like I totally learned that whole like, ooh, the snare hits on the three. When you rap double time, you know what I mean? And, like, it gives you this, like, total space to do something completely different as a rapper. And, like, chopping and syllables and, like, multis, all that shit. I didn't know anything about any of that shit. Nah, it's, it's like, that's basically, like, I'm, like, 20 and I'm, like, geeking on that shit, getting into music. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? So, Maybe I not. got in, like, I got introduced and influenced by all of that going out west. And that never would have happened. And to this day, my music wouldn't sound the way that it does had without that. Fair enough. And you do that. You just like in the middle of a verse, flip into it, and then you flip out of it in the same. Yeah, way. you know what I mean. It was my time out there that did that. You know what I mean. But then I'm from the East Coast, so I was always able to come back here. And like my roots are in boom back East Coast hip hop. That's where my roots are. Oh. But my influence. That's but my influence is like everywhere, you know what I mean? So in a sense, that's well, why maybe that fast time flows aren't as loved here because they're more of a West Coast thing. Well, it's not, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I, it's not that. I would have said that then. I wouldn't say that now because I know that it's just rap is rap. But so I, I was think first about like the cultural, the cultural trends, right? Like it's not like there's yeah. that many people chopping it up in 2010 in Montreal, from what I could see. No, no, no. That that whole fast style of rapping is 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 a is a a Midwest and a West Coast thing. Like, you know what I mean? Even when you go to New York, like everything is slowed down. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's like, you know what I mean? They don't even like the snares almost always on the two and the four, like in New York. It's not, it's rare that you find the snare like on the three like that. Like they're, they're like, you know, people like Rakim talk about rapping and jazz signatures, but he's like one of the few dudes from the East Coast who even understands what that means. You know what I mean? That's a like, I didn't even understand what that all meant until I went out West and like, so like emotions is like one of the, greatest technical rappers i've ever heard it's crazy but what's what's super nifty is i'm gonna have to look way more into this but as you're saying this i've had a few people come on recently that described the instruments they played um and how it affected their flow so like i played bass everything sure. everything i do is about bass lines so i'm always trying to be a bass line kind of thing um then like the next guy was talking about steel drums and he described his flow as the steel drum flow and the way he comes through is reminiscent and then uh, people flutists and this one's a, and all these people have like these instruments that kind of like 
play into their their flow but then i wonder then if you got to bring that bigger like jazz signatures like why why that's a new york thing that would not be a thing in every city right montreal might grab that too because we got jazz up here but then there's other things that come in and other influences in the areas of the so like in vancouver other genres are popping right and then that's all going to be the instruments that people are kind of almost emulating in their flows a little bit because that's all the shit they grew up playing and then i don't know i gotta look a lot deeper into that but that's what popped into my head when he said all that i think that's a fucking nifty like fucking something to play with oh absolutely man they they were like every place that i went i went the, the music that they listened to was so different like i lived in saskatoon for a really long time lived in regina i even spent some time in calgary and like the prairies they listen to fucking mostly gangster rap mm. mostly all gangster rap you know what i mean from everywhere as long as it's gangster rap right a lot of gangster gangster rap in those places for some reason you know and like so the beats were slower and my time in my time in the prairies the beats were slower you know Mm. A lot slower and fucking, you know. Okay. And they're what the rappers weren't. The rappers weren't as good. <laughs> I don't know anything about that. I'm not gonna go there with it. But um. No, I'm just being honest. Like bar for bar, the rapper, like rappers in the prairies, they care more about like yo. I just want to make a cool song. They don't really. They're not really in it to like. Yo, I'm trying to like this, like rap wise. This is gonna be the best verse I ever wrote. Like their approach is different. Mm. You know what I mean? Which is in yeah. I like that you made that distinction. I also think people come at music for different environments too, right? So I don't know. You can go as far as like just the venues that are available are going to impact the overall sound because the shit that was like there 20 years ago would have been crafted culturally to fit. The venues that's where music gets performed so if you got a bunch of small bars it's gonna be a bunch of small bar rap if you got a bunch of st and i was listening to um nf who's the he's huge right now but i realized as i was listening yeah, to his music he does stadium tours and you can hear it you can hear it in the whole album the whole thing was made for stadiums like he does not perform a shit that doesn't have fireworks and shit going on because like you hear it in everything in his sound and there are people who love that sound because when they go to concerts they want to go to stadiums and so I started like, these are the kinds of things I'm kind of like paying attention to. So I guess it could make sense that if you're coming from all these cities, like, you know, BC, Montreal, got some big city type things going on to the prairies where it's a little small town vibes that maybe it's just not your cup of tea. That makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. yeah. And that was Christian, right? He's a Christian rapper, right? Yeah, he is. He's like really good though. I do, I want to give him all props. I am fascinated by his ability to keep me interested in light of the fact that stylistically he sounds like fucking a combination of Eminem and fucking Twenty One Pilots. I've never heard Twenty One Pilots to I be able them. to really understand so that analogy, but they're. <laughs> It's, but you can all hear the Eminem part. Let's be real. And F ain't original with any part of his fucking flow. He's just grandiose stadium Eminem So music. are we hearing Eminem because he's an angry white boy? Or are nope. we hearing Eminem it's, because it's he like, sounds no. like Eminem? At like a songwriting level, he goes a lot with the intricate details, a lot of the subtle nuances of how he writes, how the mixing comes off. 
at those levels it's like he really goes far to come off like on you could call it like golden era eminem meets new m but it's like he says interesting shit in his own way sometimes it's a little corny but like it's i heard cool. of, i've only heard about three or four of his songs to be honest with you i've reviewed two of his um, albums um what I understand about him, he, he deals a lot with anxiety and depression and shit, and a lot of his music. It's mad relatable has to shit. Do with that. <clears throat> but he does it in a way that tech. It's I I call it like the Eminem album I wanted, not the Eminem album Eminem made for me. Like I don't know how else to put it. Like I listen to it and it hits me in that. Oh, wow, that's interesting. Because he's rapping about shit I fucking can relate to. I understand like the things he's talking about. They're things that don't feel like a guy where nine billions complaining feels like. I don't want to hear that shit personally, but I want to hear a dude that's struggling. Yo, I know what struggle is. Uh, that that is empathetic. But the way he struggles is like turn up white boy music. And at the end of the day, I'm still gonna want to turn up with the white boys sometimes. And like he does it so eloquently, but he gives me all that shit. Like I would have gone and memorized that shit when I was younger for the same reasons I memorized Eminem songs. Except that when I get to the content, I'm like, sometimes it's like a little repetitive, but I'm also not there in life. But if I was there in life, oh my gosh, NF would be like the shit that was like I'm coping to on repeat. And I love that about. Interesting you say that. I have a I, I have a friend. I'm going to call him an acquaintance. I have an acquaintance who deals a lot with depression and anxiety and uh, self-deprecation type, you know? And he's the guy who told me about NF. He's also a Christian. And he told he's like, yo, you need to listen to this NF guy. This NF guy. He was at my house recording mm. a few months back. And... Uh, He's like, you need to check out this NF guy. And he, and that's where I heard him. And I heard about three or four songs, and then I never listened to again. But I I say this all the time. Like, if you knew me, knew me, you, you, you would have heard me say it a thousand times already. I am not a fan of angry white boy rap music. Like, I'm just not Understood. Um, I'm not you know the hugest I mean? so, fan of it. But as far as Eminem albums go like NF has dropped two of my favorite Eminem albums and I say that knowing that maybe some people might get a little iffy about it but the search or whatever I loved it I'm sure he'd fucking love it I don't that. think he would there's not a single white rapper that I know that wants to be compared to Eminem but all of us have to acknowledge it that pff, come on man we all grew up memorizing that guy's albums like I wanna I try so hard to distance myself from the Eminem flow but then all of a sudden, I'm getting nasal. I'm fucking doing some shit. I can't help it. It's just so built into it because I probably memorized, like, all of us, 150 fucking Eminem songs at one point in our life. And, um... Yo, Eminem, like, I don't know why people, like... Now, just from a strictly rap standpoint, Eminem is one of the greatest rappers ever. But from a content standpoint... He got real stale. It's like eating the same bag of chips for 20 years. At some point, you're like, come on, M, give, give us a new flavor. But he never gave a new flavor. And then when he tried to give a new flavor, it's just, to me, I have a lot of trouble with the specific content he so chooses to go on about given the context of his life relative to the world. Whereas back in the day, the same 
exact content and subject matter had a certain degree of interest because of his life relative to the world. And I don't think he's aware. Well, for me, it's really like I know what his net worth is. I know what his whole fucking life is kind of like because it's all out there. And it's like then you hear the album and you're like, bro, I don't give a fuck about the elevator in your house. You know, like that's kind of where I'm at with it. I don't care. I don't want to hear about it no more. It was cute 10 years ago. Wait a second, Eminem rocks to put an elevator in his house? I, th- I swear it's on four songs, and at least one time on the last album. <clears throat> and I'm like, still? <laughs> and he's like talking about shit like being tone deaf. Like, I get it, man. Nobody really is into the fact that life changes. But like, you're also like a gatekeeper of the community and shit. Like, you're not acting like you're like being aware of your situation in this or like name a shady records artist that like went on to pop and be like the next big thing type things so he started looking at some of these stuff and i don't want to talk shit about eminem i know he does a whole lot of good stuff i know he does amazing things bleep 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 i'm saying that i just wish he would update what he puts out to the world based on holden's preferences that's it <laughs> i want based off of holden's preferences <laughs> <laughs> like I'm allowed to have preferences in this, but I, I also recognize Eminem's a great legendary figure. But like, yo, that side B shit was not my cup of tea. That side A shit, I really enjoyed. It was my third favorite Eminem project. But NF made two better Eminem albums, in my opinion. For what I want out of that, as a growing ass 33 year old who sometimes wants to be angsty, so it's take what you will from all of that, okay? Y'all can relate how you want to Eminem's music and NF's music and whatnot, but that's the, a little bit the point, right? Like, everyone's... I did this album oh. review thing, so I get mad anxious talking about Eminem. Like, Chris, you should probably use this as a clip. But use this as a clip, man. People are going to be like, in the comments and shit, and it gets stressing after using that shit sometimes just to say that man's name on a stream. Yeah? Having an opinion on that guy's polarizing, no matter what opinion you take. Okay. Here, here's where I go. Royce is a way better MC than Eminem is. I'm with you. Easy peasy for me to say. That guy made. Royce is a way better MC. I makes good albums. Joel Ortiz is a better MC than Eminem is. I don't know about that. I don't know enough of his music. (laughs) Joel's amazing. I'll tell you what bugs me about Eminem. You kind of hit on it a little bit, but you didn't stay there. Everybody that he signed should have done amazing things and didn't, at least not with Shady. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, I just don't understand that part. Like, like when, when like, even, even like Conway's dipping, no? That's what I last saw. Conway's dipping or something. I haven't paid that much attention to what Griselda's up to. Conway has his own label called Drumwork right now, so eventually that label will have a have a, he'll have a home somewhere. Mm, so he's shopping. Gri- yeah, um, Griselda left Shady. Like Griselda had a label deal with Shady, right? I think it was Distro. It was something along those lines. Anyways, they're not with Shady anymore. They're still managed by Rock Nation. Benny's Black Soprano family label has a distribution deal with Rock Nation. They're doing so fucking good. That makes me so happy to hear. 
But he, Dude, Griselda's the best thing. <laughs> like, I just want to say thank you over and over again. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I was like, wow, thank you guys. You know what I mean? I appreciate not it. Only, I appreciate not it. Not only did they put out great music, but they put on other great people. Like, oh, man, thank you guys. I definitely think they're on lock on that sound and that they're helping innovate and bring it in. So what I realized, though, a little bit on that topic of bringing it back is that something changed that I don't think anyone wants to acknowledge. Do y'all notice how, like, old people be knowing, like, modern pop tunes in ways that they normally don't because of Spotify algorithms? I never picked up on that. So this happened. I started having... I live in my head, so... So I'm at, like, work a lot back in the day before the times of not going to work. And so lots of people from demographics you wouldn't expect it would pull me over because they know I'm a rapper and be like, what do you think of this song? And they would be busting out the weirdest shit, like the babies and crap like that. You know the baby? Yeah, I heard it on Spotify the other day because my kid hearted it or whatever. Because what happens is, is they share the accounts with their kids. So the algorithm is mixing young person hip hop with old person pop and blending it into these playlists for these parents and shit. And so all of this shit's just getting hybrided it up. A lot of a lot of modern hip pop, I like to call it. I like that actually. That's good. A lot of modern hip hop is uh they try to act like they're not sampling even though they are. I don't know about you know what that. I mean? Who? No, they are. It's totally sampling like old 80s grooves and shit. Craft work and like all kinds of old 80s shit. I mean, who's hiding right? that? Nobody's hiding it. It's just people they... aren't talking about it. I mean, I think people are more bragging about it, if anything, from what I've seen. But I guess where I was going with that is what I realized is 50-year-olds and shit are asking me about new songs with an invested interest in the music like they're 22 again. And I'm like, that's an interesting phenomenon from a, a standpoint of being an artist. It honestly means that, like, for one of the first times in recorded history, old people give a fuck about new music in a way of consumerism. Meaning, honestly, if everyone just found their demo that, like, fucks with what they do and focused on looking for that demo instead of on, on the internet, mostly, y'all could find, like, enough people to start touring and shit. <laughs> like, everybody. And I mean myself included. I had to go through a lot of like soul searching in the last year and a half about how the fuck my life's going to go through. But one of the main shifts is like the subscription model is real, right? That's just taking over life. But that's also taking over artists' life if you think about Patreons and OnlyFans, which is not just porn. It's a legitimate thing. Um, so imagine this universe where a thousand people... Whoa, slow down. What? OnlyFans is not just porn. It's just a subscription site. So it's just predominantly. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, okay. So yeah, in this porn. in this world, Big Caesar's on a, on one of these sites. We'll go with Patreon. And people, a thousand people are giving you $5 a month to be Big Caesar. Not necessarily to do anything. Just to be Big Caesar. And then you do things because you want more money. Um, That's $5,000 a month. Just because they fuck with you. You just need a thousand people, my guy. That's the new mission for all of us is to find that thousand people to subscribe to us. And if it's not about the product anymore, and it's fucking weird, okay? Like, this has been the biggest, like, metamorphosis of how I perceive myself. It's not about the products I create. 
It's about making sure that I remain interesting. And I think you're a very interesting guy. You put out so many music videos and so many songs. So much work you've done. That I think you're the right kind of guy that in this era can fucking dominate on this subscription era. I don't know, man. I don't know. It's a very different way of thinking about it, which we can discuss in more detail later if you want. But it is how I perceive the next 10 years playing out. If you think about it, everyone goes live on social medias and gets donation money. That's not terrible. It's not like the best, but it's not. See, all that stuff, I'm not disagreeing with anything you're saying. I just like, me, I'd rather just be creating shit. Like, I don't necessarily want to fucking be putting in the effort. Mm, so This is where I always fail. So it's not necessarily that you're against the concepts. You just don't want to run it. I'm, yeah, like, I'm amazing at getting, like, if you, I, I can get a project from conception to ready to drop, you know? All the way from artwork, everything. I can handle everything in-house, you know what I mean? But then, like... I'm like, I'm, I have no interest like that. Like, it's so weird, man. No, it's not. It's the way that I'm wired. You know what I mean? No, I have it's no not. interest in it's like... like... It makes total sense to me. See, I grew up and went a very different route in life. I went the corporate path. I, I call centered at 20, 22 years old. I found myself in a call center. And I got promoted. Because I dropped out and everything, right? I, I, I said, fuck psychology because that shit's a debt trap. And I got really freaked out over the idea of being in debt. for. I, I still ended up with debt. But I got really freaked out at that point on school debt. School debt scared the shit out of me when I realized what I was agreeing to to get my PhD in a decade. And I'm like, nah, this isn't it, cuz. And I dropped out. I ended up in a call center. And then I became a trainer and blah, 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 blah. To this day, I work at that company. That's my day job to this day. So it really worked out well for me. Um, but it really is corporate, middle management, politician shit, all sorts of different skill sets and stuff. So for me, it's like, I look at this like, fuck it, I get content marketing, easy peasy lemon squeezy, let's get it. But you go put me into that like graffiti world of hip hop, yo, that scares the shit out of me a little bit. Like you, even like the idea of being in that environment, I, don't get me wrong, I hold my own, but like, it's not my element. I'm not comfortable there. I'm just like, I know I'm a guest in that house. Like, it's very, I'm aware of it. So, I totally appreciate the fact that the corporate elements of marketing are not fun to a purist in the hip-hop spirit as yourself. Whereas I'm more like yeah. a liaison ambassador type in between both worlds. I keep saying that I need to find people to do it in order for it to be successful because you're not the first person to say to me yo i like you're interesting like you're like people want to would want to know your story like you need to fit you know but that's not like i ha i can present that i just i i don't know i'm not good at like giving it to them or how, i don't even know what word i'm looking for i'm just not good at, at marketing and promoting and, nah, you know what i mean like, i do get it because i'm fucking not as good as i think i am i'm learning though and so i this is the new mantra for us and i this is where i'm a lot more like you than not what would you do if you were 17 and broke 
And then that's that. I don't know if I can answer. I don't know if I can answer that question on here. Not. No, I meant in terms of how would you make a video if you were 17 and broke today? You would go on the app store and find a free app. And if it had a watermark, you'd say, fuck it. And you'd put the video up. That's how the 17 year old does it today. And they're defining the future. So they create these things. And then you start thinking a little bit like that. And it's not like you want bullshit because now you got 20 bucks. You can go buy the fucking paid app and get rid of the watermark. But now you learn that it's really easy to make a lyric video on your phone for a one-minute video by accident. And then it, shit like that starts happening. And it goes from being scary to not scary. Because it's fucking terrible. I mean, it took me, like, multiple years to be comfortable on the internet. Well, hold on, no. I can do all that stuff. I can make lyric videos. I can make motion graphics. You're probably I can do all of that me. shit. Yeah. I can do all that shit. I, I went to school for multimedia. Like, I'm okay. amazing at all that then shit. All you got to do is... Make one minute but, versions for Instagram. But once it's done, how how do I go from making an amazing lyric video to getting to having it fucking go trend like trending? You, I don't know how to do that shit. It's really like a lot more little post buildups and shit like that. Where it's like I know it sounds hard, but like for real, real, it's like so basic that like you create a calendar. I'm gonna say you're gonna put a song on on a Tuesday. So on Monday. You're going to drop a 30-second clip of that video on Instagram. Then you might drop a second 30-second clip. So basically, the trick is to start giving away way more than you ever thought you would beforehand. Because frankly, what I learned is by writing songs on the internet is people kind of like watching you do the behind-the-scenes shit. And they're more invested in hearing the final product than if they didn't watch you write the song, which is so fucking unexpected. Okay. So here's another thing that happens to me, okay? And I've been getting better at it. I at least I'm at the point now where I try it at least once a day. Okay. Right? I go on, I roll up a thing, I go on, I start talking. Usually what happens to me is as soon as I realize that nobody's tuning in, I end up leaving because I feel weird talking to my camera. Been there, my man. That is the weirdest part. And nobody's there, so I just I turn it off. Mm. But if you you don't turn it off, that's the trick. So when I stopped, you know what I did? I realized nobody's really going to watch. So this interview part that we're talking here, this is the the show. People watch this. I'm keeping this video. I'm aware that people will inevitably watch this video and this part's content. The pre-interview part there where I'm listening to your music, I swear like 20 minutes went by and I didn't even say a fucking word. But inevitably, somebody popped in and said hi, whatever, whatever. They popped out. And you got to look at it a little bit like you're a bar owner. And sometimes somebody pops in the bar, has a drink, and goes. And then you just got to kind of... And it's not fun. But what happens is if you do it enough times, you get regulars. And when you get your regulars, man, your life changes. It's just that grueling... Dude, it took me two months of nobody showing up on my streams. Nobody. I didn't even know what I was doing. I was playing video games and shit. Nobody fucking cared about me playing video games. And this is like recently. I'm saying, it's so hard for me, man. But like, it was, I, like, I'm like, it's so hard for all of it. But it was hard. I'm just trying to let you know that I'm with you with this. Because even like, even sometimes I go online and I'm like, yo, thankfully Ismail's there. Like for real, Ismail shows up at like all my streams within like 15 minutes normally. And it's so heartwarming. But like, let's say he doesn't show up. And don't get me wrong, sometimes Ismail has a life, and I totally respect that. Not to say he doesn't always have a life, whatever, but you know what it is. But, like, 
what I'm trying to say is like those moments when nobody's there. It's like, yo, what the fuck am I doing? Am I really just sitting here staring at a fucking screen, listening to fucking music? <laughs> but then it's like you are doing that. But that makes you interesting because you're doing that and other people are not doing that. And that's the reality of the situation is that you're willing to do it. And that's fucking cool. I popped on your stream the other day. I wasn't there like that long because I was at work, but I was there for like five, six minutes. I watched you play your music. I watched you talk about it. Yo, something like we're going to go play some unreleased stuff. We got some stuff that's out there. That was a little snippet of what I remember you saying. You were giving some content. You know what? That's interesting. That was the one time where people tuned in. As we... was I was playing music. I was playing music. Mm. So then you as a data guy go, look at that. I went on that stream and they tuned in for that shit. Okay, that means I know that if I do some music streams, they're going to tune in. And then if I want to do this other kind of stream, you still do that other kind of stream. But you know people aren't going to tune in as much. But you have to just know this. And then what happens is the music people inevitably want to know more about Mr. Big Caesar. So they go pop on the next stream. Look, the truth is, is this is fucking awfully long and boring in the beginning parts of building your initial online. Yo, I went on YouTube. And I swear, we posted videos for something like six months and none of them were breaking 50 views, dude. None of them were breaking 50 views. Then all of a sudden, it just happened one day. We, we titled shit better. We learned a couple things and we started getting it. And then Ismail showed up and then Sky Lindell showed up. And these guys, like we're saying, commented a lot. And then, yo, there's like now three, four hundred names I can vividly remember of people who have interacted with my content. And like on a regular basis, like ongoing then they stop, whatever. I get it. I stop watching YouTubers too. So it made me realize, nah, it's really kind of, it's like a frequency and you got to keep doing it type game, even when it's boring. And I think that's the part that a lot of people don't get. You watch it now, you see there's eight people on my stream, maybe you don't see it. And it's like, oh, wow, because you see other people, or whatever. I might look at the guy with 75, but the guy with 75 has two, three years on me, is the facts of that situation. Easy. And it's shit Yo, like shout that. out to the eight people tuning in. Yeah, man. It's been like consistent. It it has like it hit seven at the low point. It hit like what fucking fifteen or something at the high. So like you've it's just but the, it goes up and down because yo, we're like what three hours. Yo, Ishmael's just Ishmael's there for real. Yeah, he just added me as a friend, sent me a friendship add on. Yeah, Ismail's the realest fan in the whole fucking world. When people say there's no such thing as a real, real fan, they don't know that Ismail exists because this guy's doing shit like copping the shit on the band camps and like fucking spinning man's fucking songs to a thousand spins and shit. Like, it's incredible. And you know why I got that? Because I, I stuck through the boring, awful part. And that's the truth. It's terrible. I'm not lying to you. It is bad. I will make whatever efforts I can to pop on your lives, but like, that's kind of what happened. I'm trying, bro. I'm trying, man. Crushing it's, it's, it's tedious for me. You know what I mean? Tedious. But, but the, I have like, I'm sitting on an album right now, bro. Like, like I have an album called "The Story Untold" that's finished. So if you have that, is literally my life story that I put like two years into this album, and. I'm sitting on that album and I haven't put it out yet. And, uh, but it's because I don't want to just put it out and then fucking have it flop. Like I really want it to be successful and I'm trying to figure out a way to fucking break through this fucking veneer of, of, you know, not being able to connect with people. You know what I mean? Like I need to figure it out 
you know? Go on Twitch, play music, talk to people. Literally, Murs, you know Murs, the rapper? Yeah, of course. Murs is on Twitch, and he looks miserable, to be honest with you. He looks like it's not his favorite use of time, but he recognizes that this is a good thing to do. But he sits there in his chair. Maybe he's just high or something. I could be wrong. But to my impression, he sits there with this look on his face, and people like send him fucking money or whatever, and they play. he plays songs, and he just goes like, and he, but his fans are there, and you get little. I have Murs faces, and I use them in my chat sometimes because he has emotes, so we could make like big C's emotes, which is like stickers. So Twitch figured out how to incorporate a sticker element into, as in like you know, uh, the the kind of graffiti styled stickering thing that happens where you plaster stickers everywhere. They managed to get mm -hmm. that element into Twitch, where you can get your own big C's fucking stickers. Now I can then pay you money to get access to that. And that's where I get interesting is because the other day, I don't fucking understand it. This guy from Alabama, I don't understand it, but he keeps buying bits and giving me money. He gave me 41 Canadian dollars the other day for nothing. I swear to fucking God, I went live and he just did it for no fucking reason. It's like the weirdest shit to me. Yo, I seen that on fucking Plenty of Fish, bro. Plenty of Fish has a fucking... Plenty of Fish has a... a Unexpected twist. Go ahead. Oh, man. Bruh. No, I mean, I just haven't been on Plenty of Fish in a minute, so I don't know where you're going. I'm old, there. though. No, it's good. I just have... I'm old. I, I met my girlfriend. That's where, people my, that's where my people oh, my age do up. online fucking dating. I met it's my current though. girlfriend on Plenty of Fish. That's what's up. But, like, that was a long time ago. So, like... I just broke up with my girl very recently very recently and we met on plenty of fish that's right i hit her up and i'm like you have cool hair and i swear it worked <laughs> you know what worked for me she had she had a she had a a heart a lyric from heart was in her her mm. thing like her little quote and it was like if you love me like music i'll be your song Ooh, I had four paragraphs that I wrote that I put a lot. Yeah, of and into. I was like, I sent her a message because I knew it was heart. I'm like, that heart quote is the best thing I've ever seen on somebody's like description ever on on Plenty of Fish, and that's that's how I messaged her. And then we were together for like two and a half years. Yeah, that's solid. It was we just broke up. That's not as solid. But two and a half. No, years it's not really solid good. at all. Nah, I totally appreciate that. There's plenty of fish is good memories, man. I don't care what anyone says. I'll yeah, so anyways, that. plenty of fish has a fucking... Like, people can go live and you can, like, send them coins or money or diamonds. They have, like, different things you can purchase. You... What? Yeah. What? When did yeah. that happen? I don't know, but the last time I was on there, it had that. Fair enough. And people go live there. Some people just live on POF live, like... And then people send them money, like you said, and all kinds of like gifts and shit. Like, you 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 spend your money to buy these different things, and then you can send these things to people, and then they can convert it into money. Yeah. So if you go on Twitch, people can just give you money, and then Amazon gives you the money. Yeah. Same principle. But you can do that, because people will fuck with you. You know how I know they showed up to your interview. You got some people that I care. Trials. Yeah, I know, man. I, like, like I said, man, I, what I ju what I need is like I need to either stop. <laughs> Thanks for the, the bit, Willie. Willie gave a bit, and you can hear my audio. You hear that dingling? 
That was a one bit. Mm. So Willie literally threw a penny at me. <laughs> Yo, Willie, he's hard like that. Nah, Willie subs. Willie gives real. <laughs> no, Willie pays money. He gave, he gave the seven dollar a month shit. All love to Willie. I give him money on Tribe. Kind of negates each other, but that's the love of this game, right? I don't. I don't. It's kind of funny, right? Everybody pays. I'm on Tribe each, too. I know you're on Tribe. Um, when I'm richer, I'll give you money. <laughs> oh, that's fucking not fair. Uh, it's just where we're at in life, right? Um, uh, yeah, no, it turns out I signed up to a lot of these things and then I ran the number and I'm like, oh, fuck me. I maybe am going to have to cancel some of these in a couple of months because I don't think I can afford all of this shit because sometimes you're feeling real generous on Twitch, especially on Twitch. Um, I've never even been on Twitch. Actually, I'm lying. I watched a wrestling pay-per-view once. Hmm. Twitch is like YouTube, but it's live. As in, don't think of it like fucking um, TV, like in like YouTube. Isn't this where KOTD does all their battles too? Is on Twitch? Yes, because it's really good about live. So what we're doing is effectively talk radio with a video, effectively. And we're broadcasting that live to the Twitch platform, but simultaneously also all the other shit. But Twitch is all I give a fuck about because it's got the funnest chat because I can make little fucking stickers. So my girlfriend's face is something you can pay money to go use somewhere and then she loves it uh then we got this knowledge nugget thing that we got not on fiverr because we extract knowledge nuggets here and it's a little gold nugget and it's got a university cap and shit then we got this montreal love shit and it's got the fucking saint joseph's oratory because what up that's my part of town and then we got my bridge the gap logo all of these are like stickers you can get and all of this shit effectively is stuff you can pay for if you want to support me at different tiers. And then I can give you more incentives if you give me more money. And that's the arrangement of this new universe. Now, the weird part is how much of it is artists pay each other and we effectively balance out the fucking thing. Because none of us are making the kind of bank to really pay each other as much as we all might do. And that's just something I think more about as time goes on. But if we get past that part... It does give you an opportunity to go through uh, that whole catalog of people that support you and give them an opportunity to support you. No, I, I'm not disagreeing. I, I definitely need more. I definitely need more help on that end of the, you know, that end of the sphere. Nah, no worries about it. It's understood and all. I'm just fascinated by the transition. But with that, and people get, this is where it gets really cool. So you set up your Twitch ecosystem. Then we go back to the lab environments later on in life. Now you just bring your fucking computer and you're streaming the live show to Twitch. So you get the Twitch people. And then you get the fucking real life people. Oh, oh my God. That looked like a serious fucking uh, hit. I understand what it is to take a hit like that. Um, I've been there. Wow. That shit's why I stopped bongs, because I can't handle it. Oh. Alright. He's back with us. That shit happens sometimes. Oh. I've been there. I've had that happen many a time. I have I have quite a few unfortunate fucking coffee. Smokers shit. Club, baby. Smokers Club. <laughs> um No, but for real though, I think you're you're very fascinating in the way that you're willing to be so versatile with it. 
and i gotta say man there's just you but you bring that twitch experience to the live show and now it's both things you do so it's just it's not like you do one and the other you just do both later on you go somewhere you fucking hold up your phone live on twitch boom you're good to go no i get it. i get it i just have to be it's just yeah fuck uh, so what's next what are we talking about where are we going let's move it on let's move it on no fair enough we back in it um so you were in vancouver and then you came back to montreal at some point well wait or bc not vancouver i, I assume vancouver i don't know why but yeah i was in vancouver um meeting dave led me to meeting prev one from swallow members mm. I like him. at this time there was no swollen members yet okay there was Prev and Mad Child and Mocha only as a rap group. But they didn't have a name yet. So I hung out with Prev all the time. And like we were always together. I hung out with him on the island. I hung out with him in Vancouver in the city. We traveled up and down the island. We we battled everybody. We were freestyling all the time. Like it was, it was just rapping. Um, we had a battle once where I won the battle of the night and him and Shane from, from, uh, him and Mad Child were like, were, at the time I called myself Risk and I wrote and rapped under the name Risk and then they're like, you call yourself Risk, we're going to call you Chance One because when you take a risk, you only get one chance. And for years, I rapped under the name Chance One. Like, most people know know me from that name. You know what I mean? And then we could get to why I changed my name, but that's, like, way later. Um, so my name became Chance One because, because the guys from Swollen Members gave me that name. I ended up living with Shane for a while in his house. That was, like, during the period when they were writing for Shatterproof, like, just before they dropped the first 12-inch. Okay. <clears throat> And then like, that was when I was in BC. By the time I had left British Columbia, they had named themselves Swollen Members and they were like, we're going to start a label called Battle Axe. And they put out Shatterproof on 12-inch. And then that was right around the time that I left Vancouver and I came back to Montreal. Right. So I, I don't remember what year that was, but that was when it was, you know? And then I came back to Montreal um, got back in everything that I was doing before with the same people. You know what I mean? Um, I wish I could remember how old I was. Like, I don't actually, like... Alright, I got you know an I mean? idea. So we can do some cross-referencing here. So we go to... The Google when Shatterproof That's came exactly out. what I'm doing. Because we can check when Swollen Members dropped Project uh, 1997. Okay. So, that would have made me... Uh, so, you said about 20-ish? 20, I would have been 25 in 97. Perfect. Established. So, I came back to Montreal... I was here for a long time, bro. Like, 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 
so many things I did for the first time in Montreal. I was in a rap group. Um, holy crap, man. Sorry. No worries. <clears throat> I was in a rap group with my homie Unknown. Um, and we had, uh, we had a rap group together called Agent Orange. And my first 12-inch ever, my first vinyl ever was came out during at that time. I was living in Montreal, and we did the Ill Mentals 12-inch with him and myself and Chelan and DJ Choice and Dave One, A-Track's brother, from Chromio, Dave One. You know what Chromio is? Nah, I'm not there yet. Yo, you got to understand, like, I understand parts of the history, and then parts of it Apache, and not everyone remembers everything. Okay, Chromio is like a huge pop group right now in the world. They're huge. Oh. Anyway, um, um, you know who DJ A-Track is, right? I've heard the name. I've heard the name. Wow. Nah, he I'm, was like I'm, the I'm, world I'm... champion scratch DJ for like years and years. But that's like he was also Kanye's DJ so for a while. Like I know there's a lot of DJ <clears throat> shit going on, but it's another avenue I haven't really explored. Um, okay. So uh, anyway, anyway, these guys at that time, Dave One ran a record store, Science Re <clears throat> Science Records. It was at the top of uh, at the top of Saint Laurent. Um, they they had a record store there, Science Record. Moog Audio was right beside it. Um, DJ A Track was Dave One's little brother. He went on to be world champion, ITF, DMC champion, crazy DJ guy. Um, then he went on to be Kanye's DJ. Right. Now he okay, now I know who he is. Now I remember. Yeah, now he owns now he owns Fool's Gold Fool's Gold Records. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, his older brother is Dave One. He's a producer. But he's in a group right now called Chromio. And they do like this funk fusion pop shit. But uh, anyways, he had a label at the time called Audio Research. And there was a group from Montreal called Obscure Disorder. They were an English rap group and they did a lot of records at that time. Um, audio Research. Um... So, yeah, I guess I was 25, you know? It was during that period, right? Um, I know that, like, I don't know how long I was here for. Like, I can't remember any of that shit. You know what I mean? Right. I, could, I could say that I know I went back to BC at some point. Um, there was a couple jail bids in there. <laughs> um stuff happens <clears throat> the life the life we choose you know what i mean there's a couple jail bids in there there was uh you know a lot of me traveling around to different places just living life checking shit out you know what i mean um i ended up in calgary for a while when i left montreal the next time i was in calgary for a while um i hooked up with omit he was a graffiti writer that landed me in Kamloops, where he was from originally. Me and his little brother, A1, did a album called Unstoppable Creatures. And UC is a graffiti crew, so we just, like, it was named after the crew, basically. Um, 
fuck man i like i did a lot of different things in a lot of places you know what i mean like uh i definitely wasn't very grounded when i was younger you know what i mean like i didn't really have like i didn't know what what i wanted to do i didn't know you know what i mean i was just sort of living i didn't i I didn't really like parts of our story i like that they don't always have like i had no idea what i wanted you know now i'm like those days are over for me i'm not i'm not about going nowhere like i don't (laughs) i don't want to you know what i mean i'm easily easily just like sit in one spot and just do whatever like i don't and like my son now that me my me and like i like i had a kid like that changed a lot of shit right like obviously there's there's a lot in there you know what i mean but like i had a kid so i spent 10 years with his mom you know what I mean? I was with my son every day. We were together for like 10 years and then we split. And then I was with this other girl now for about two years and then we just split. So this is like my first time where I'm like not with somebody in like 12 years. You know what I mean? So like that's a big gap for me, like being able to tell everything that happened basically before 12 years ago. You know what I'm saying? Like it's it, you know? Yeah. So, and then it's okay. So basically, during that period of time, you live life. That's basically uh, that. I just I I got I was into a lot of bad shit, and I don't want to talk about a lot of it. You know, live life. Yeah, I was living. That's it. I mean, it means whatever it means. It doesn't have to. It's cool. And then, but I did music everywhere that I went. Like every single city I went to, I did music. You know. And I did graffiti until graffiti stopped. Graffiti stopped after Kamloops. Uh, I, I don't fully mean, I know what that means. It just means I, I wrote graffiti and rapped all the way through until I made it to, like, Calgary. I was writing graffiti. Then when we got to Kamloops, I was writing graffiti. But after Kamloops, I stopped. Okay. I understand. And that. then, like, I was just rapping at that point. And, uh... I lived in Vancouver for a long time. The two places I lived the most was Vancouver and Montreal. Right. I lived both places for a long time more than once. You know? So, and then I spent a lot of time in the prairies, a lot of time in Saskatoon, a lot of time in Regina, a lot of time in Winnipeg. Um, that's where my connection to Indigenous hip-hop, that's where where, you know, Willie, of course, too, but, like, I got really, like, my, like, I got really involved with the whole Indigenous hip-hop scene in Canada during my time in the prairies. Like, I spent a lot of time there, you know, from 2002 until, like, 2007, I was basically in the prairies the whole time. What's it, you know? What's it like? Because for me, that's just, like, okay, you got to understand, I've never been past like let's say Hamilton's the farthest west I've been. So to me the prairies is this mythical land of blob on a map. So uh, it's not well I mean there I mean it's like anywhere in Canada, right? Like there's cities and towns but there's way more rural areas. It's the same thing out there as it is here. You know what I mean? It's a lot of rural space but the cities are cities. Like Saskatoon's a city, Regina's a city, Winnipeg's a city. These are cities, right? The thing that makes there a lot different than anywhere else is gang gangs are a big fucking thing. 
Okay. In the prairies. Like, it's a big fucking thing. Like, gang culture is a real fucking thing in the prairies. It's a real thing. Way more than it is in Toronto or Vancouver or any other place like that. Like, the gangs are really a thing in the prairies, you know? Like, Winnipeg has got so many fucking gangs. It's crazy, right? And, like, you can't, like, you have to, like, know where you're going. Like, you can't just be like, yo, I'm going to wear this red shirt and then I'm just going to go for a walk in Winnipeg. Like, you can't fucking do that. You know what I mean? Right. It's, like, really a thing there, you know? And fucking, so, that was my introduction, my whole introduction to, like, like, I was in, like, I was in the kind of bad shit before that, like, so a little dope or, like, you know, I get in a little fight or, like, like, I did a, di- like, you know, like, I, like, like I, I had dabbled a little bit in, you know, doing shit you're not supposed to do, you know what I mean? But I, w- I wouldn't say that I was a fucking, you know, habitual criminal or anything, you know what I'm saying? But when I got to the prairies, I got introduced to, like, a lifestyle of crime. Fair enough. Let's not go too deep into that because I don't want to, like, shed negative. I've read enough about the situations out no, there. No, 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 no. I'm not I'm not even saying that it's bad. Because, honestly, it's part, of, it's part of my story. I'm not saying that it's bad or good. I'm just saying that, like, my, like I got it. Like, it was just that time in my life where I got involved with, you know, certain groups of people and got into certain things. And, and, and you know what I mean? And the 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 live the, the lines got blurred right like art imitates life you know right <clears throat> so if i tell people this all the time if people really want to know my story man just go listen to my catalog it's all out there for people to hear yeah i was i was hearing how testimonial issue were with the way that you told your content and it definitely didn't you know? come off braggadocious it was more this was my story no this is what happened you know what I mean? There's a whole lot of bad in there, man. Of trauma and PTSD and fucking anxiety and depression and like my my new shit especially deals a lot with mental health and shit because that's my whole. That's where I'm at right now. You know what I mean? I like how and, public you are about it. Oh man, I don't. I feel like we should talk about it. I think the problem that we have is. We're fucking trained to not talk about it, right? Men in general, but especially black men, indigenous men, minority, like minority men especially are like, you have to be strong all the time. Don't let them see you cry. Don't let them see you weak. Like all this bullshit, you know what I mean? And we have to put on this facade all the time. Like, you know what I mean? And like, fuck it, it's it's crazy to keep up that kind of fucking, you know what I mean? When really you're like just really going through it, you know? Like, I remember a period of my life, bro, when I was just before I left Winnipeg, I had gone to, like, 16 funerals in a year. Fuck. You know what I'm saying? And, like, I don't care who you are, man. Like, I know, like, I've been around a lot of different people who are into a lot of different things, and I've seen a lot of different shit, and nobody is not affected by these things. You know what I'm saying? I do. Like, it affects you, and eventually you get to a point where, like... You know, and that's one of the things that has happened to me over the last year of my life is is the the veneer is gone now. You know what I mean? Like whatever wall I had up, you know, 
it's fucking gone now. You know what I mean? I had a fucking nervous breakdown in October. It was pretty fucking hectic. But I'm down to talk about all this shit because I feel like it needs to be talked about. You know what I'm saying? I, and I'm, like, I'm very willing and happy to have this. Um, okay, before we do that, uh, Lindell showed up. And as I mentioned earlier, Lindell's been basically day one as far as people go and this shit. He wants to hear your top five. Your top five, My top five? artists of all time will go with you. If you had to have five people on an island forever to freestyle or not. Does it have to be rap? Does it have to be nah. rap? He just said top five list. He didn't say rap this time. Therefore, you can pick what you want. Fuck. Would you prefer it to just be rap? Neither are easy. You know? That's why it's not so the first thing I The first thing I want to say is my list would change depending on my mood. Love it. So, so my list could change six times a day. You know what I mean? Like, great it answer. really depends on my mood. I would accept that as a great answer to the question, Lindell. Um, if he happens... Wait, no, hold on, hold on, though. But I'm going to answer his question right now. Because I want to give him an answer, right? Amazing. So, the one band in the world that would stay on that list no matter what and you're not going to expect this in a million years. I bet you a million bucks you would never pick it. But if I had to pick one band that would always be on the list, the number one band is Blind Melon. I would not have guessed that in a million years because I don't even know a Blind Melon song. Yes, you do. You've heard No Rain before. Okay, I probably have and don't know that. It's one of those ones you yeah. do. Okay, fair enough. I'll check it after. Yeah, you definitely know who Blind Melon is. But they, they have an amazing catalog of amazing fucking music. It's my favorite band no, no. of like, yeah. Um, okay, apparently I do know it. My girlfriend's confirming what you're saying, so evidently we're facts with this. <laughs> anyway, so yeah. Um. Anyways, definitely like that's like my favorite band. They have a song called "Change" that I legitimately play when I need to cry and fucking reset. I put it on repeat. I like that. I like that. And a lot. like. I put it on repeat, and that's that's like my go-to joint. You know what I mean? Um, now that I've gotten that out of the way, oh my god, top five is fucking hard, man. Right now, today, this minute, Blind Melon, Led Zeppelin, Benny the Butcher, Big Caesar, yeah, EPMD. Love it. That's a good list. I love the fact that Benny made it. Benny's Benny's my favorite from Griselda. Benny's, Benny's the greatest rapper on the in the world right now. Be Benny's hot. Oh. <clears throat> I don't. I can't go that far with it. I don't know yet because I haven't decided. But Benny's a contender. That's all I can say. I fucks with him. He's consistent as fuck. And he's brilliant pen game. <laughs> fucking brilliant. So that's my top five right now at fucking ten oh one p.m. on the fifth of April. You know. Love it. Ask me that question again, like at eleven o'clock. It'll be different, I'm sure. But we'll see. Uh, <laughs> but I find like the question it does that. It's a hard question to answer. Maybe I'll ask people ahead of time so that they can just answer it for Linda. Think about this, because Linda's gonna show up and ask you this. <laughs> um, shit, where the fuck were we though? Damn, I got distracted. What were we saying before the Linda question? We were going somewhere. Mental health, it, something. Mental health. Yeah, we were talking about mental health. 
yeah i don't know i just think it's a super interesting topic because like all the things you were saying before but like yo it's kind of like that on my end uh, as well though like you know like i went through a whole lot of things that i never talked about because you weren't supposed to talk about it you know your dad's like yo you don't talk about that blah 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 and whatnot and like then you realize that's not healthy <laughs> and then you're like oh no man if this shit is fucking crazy like so i i i this is fucking i don't know if i'm if i'll ever tell this story again but i'm gonna tell it at least once because it's I like before I met the girl that I just broke up with. I had never really opened up to somebody like a hundred percent ever before, mm-hmm. you know. And she was like the first person that I like. She like she might be the only person in the world right now on Earth that actually knows me right now, mm-hmm. you know. And, like, so it was very open, and it was very easy to be open with her. But what happened is it opened up emotions, and I didn't know, like, I don't know how to deal with emotions. And then, like, it, like, everything got all fucking weird, like, for me, you know what I mean? And then, like, yeah, I totally had, like, a complete fucking nervous breakdown because, I like, I didn't know how to deal with, like, all these things, you know what I mean? I do. And fucking, I, know. I know what you mean. And then I like I found out a lot about myself that I didn't know, and I found out like I got diagnosed with borderline personality disorder. My anxiety, I have like GAS. I got fucking manic depression, and I got all this fucking shit. And it's trippy because I remember like spending basically my whole life when certain things would happen, I'd always be like, "Why do I react like that?" Yeah, I understand that a lot. Like certain certain ways that I would react in certain situations, you know what I mean? And then now I'm finding out, but it's only because the floodgates open, and then I wasn't able to not react. Like I was just like, just all like I was just like fucking frazzled all over the place, you know? And like even now, like I'm not as frazzled as I was. I, they got me on some serious fucking medication right now, you know what I mean? And like. And I was, like, the anti-pill guy forever. Like, I was like, I'm not taking the fucking white man's medicine, and you know? But, like, if I didn't take it, I wouldn't be able to even do this interview. Like, if I, if I wasn't on meds. Okay. <clears throat> That's you serious. know what I'm saying? So, like, like, so now I'm, like, an advocate for meds because they work for me. I'm not saying that they would work for everybody, nah, but they totally definitely work, work for me. For me. Yeah. But I had a bad experience that was just, yeah, uh, like, so I'm, like, 22 or some shit, and I'm in, like, a miserable place in life, um, I don't know, so I walk in, and I'm, like, I'm feeling suicidal or whatever shit to the person, uh, and then they're, like, okay, do you smoke cigarettes? I'm, like, I do smoke cigarettes. She's, like, you should quit. Take this fucking Welby Trin XL sample shit. Boom, 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 boom. And, uh... I took this shit and it was miserable, but yo, when I thought about it, I talked to this woman one time and I got a prescription for a bunch of fucking pills. And it didn't really do a lot. It fucked me up though. It really fucked me up. <laughs> I was off. I was not in a good place those months. I was like, yo, there was shit I wasn't expecting. Maybe shit I shouldn't see on camera. But like, it was just like weird. And then I stopped and I like fucking fell in love with marijuana, I suppose. Um, and then that's helped me cope. Because, yo, my dad has borderline personality disorder. But he also, like, 
So I understand that he's like a bit older than you. So like I can kind of imagine from his life the complicated nature of growing up with that or like having to cope with the way that your brain because basically what ends up manifesting because people might be like basically you go through traumatic shit when you're young and you don't get healthy ways of coping with your emotions so you effectively live your life in a constant state of almost like panic mode like your fight or flight is like a good way to like parable it is to like say your fight or flight is always turned on so a lot of your yeah. reactions are kind of derived like that so you have to then like condition your mind to like fucking rationalize shit back to like the regular of what it is really going on dude you have to you have to like like me right now anyway what it's like for me because i'm still getting used to meds i'm also getting used to like this is another thing that people don't 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 think about right when 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 you find out what's wrong for lack of a better term like when they you know what i mean yeah on on top of everything else that you're dealing with you now have to be like deal with the fact that you know that something's wrong yeah big facts i'm at you know what i'm saying so like this is how bugged out it is so like for me like a my abandonment issues are very bad, you know? So I have trouble keeping relationships. I have trouble keeping friendships. I, you know what I mean? Like, and like, you'll see it. Like, you know that this is what's happening. <laughs> right? I, I understand. Like, you know it's happening and you're watching it happen. And you're even trying to tell yourself like, yo, you know that this is what you're doing, right? Yeah. You but you anyway. can't not do it. Yeah, it's like addictions. It's like addiction. You do it anyway, even though you you can watch, like you see it happening. I'm spitting facts, everyone. Nah, man, I got the borderline myself. Um, I don't know if I have it or it's because my dad has. Either way, I'm gonna say that it manifests exactly as it's supposed to within myself. Only, I figured out what it was called when I was like 22, and my dad was going through therapy. Uh, and so he was learning all the ways to deal with it and I just started learning how but yo you got This is like I'm like 10 or 11 years into working on myself right now on this like war I call it a war of you battle yourself to what he's describing You don't understand how much shit I fucked up in my life on some watching yourself do some dumb shit You know is dumb shit and you know as you're doing it that what you're doing is just not worth it I still to this day, anyway. yo, when it comes to Uber Eats, my guy, I'm not good. We're not good with that resisting Bro, food. It, it, I, I literally just ruined the greatest relationship I've ever been in because of how, like, making wrong decisions. You know what I mean? You know it wasn't the right decision, but you did it anyway. You know what I mean? Um, like, yeah, I'm not saying anyone should avoid Uber Eats. I'm saying I don't. We don't have good self control with our decision makings, and I say Bonnie too. No. she's with me uh, on on food choices, and that's the facts. Yo, I know that if I eat a bunch of bullshit, it's gonna make me feel ill, and I eat that. Yo, let, I, I, why am I drinking this? I know it's bullshit, but I'm still doing it because I'm in one of those. It's Diet Pepsi. Yeah. Dude, I got chocolate right here. I just, cause yo, like, I'm at a point in my life where I'm trying to do everything right, 
And the more, and the more, and the more, um, sex is good too. Uh, the more I try to do everything right, it's like you just want to do fucking naughty ass, dirty things. And the best I can do is like stuff my face with some cookies. Like the fuck else am I allowed to do? You know, like I'm trying to... What was that comment? Sex is what? Oh, uh, because somebody said in the comments on my side, same with me and sex. So I responded to him without being super clear to you. Um, that was me. No. So yeah, you can't see the comments, but basically, yeah. Um, people are sharing their addictions with us as we're doing this. Or their various struggles and shit. Word up. Yo, sex, man? Yo. Fuck, sex is a complicated one. Sex is crazy because it manifests itself in all of them, you know? Yo, big fact. It's a coping. It's a thing that you do to cope, you know? <sighs> big one. That's why That's why a lot of people who have mental health issues are, are live poly lives. They, a lot of them live, like... Because they have, like, such a, like, it's that, like, sex is complicated, too. You know what I mean? Yo, it's hard with the attention, too. Like, you know what? You know what happened to me? I went and I put in, like, four years. And I swear it was, like, almost to the day shit changed. And then year five starts in November this year. And then from November to, like, February, I got, like, attention like I've never gotten in my life. Um, The amount of love and and just sincere, like shit that's happened i didn't even know how to deal with it dude you got it i was tripping i was like an anxious fucking breakdown mess because people were fucking loving me in a sincere kind way for the results of my labor that is so fucked up that my reaction is an anxiety fucking man it was like three months of like fucking misery for me my heart rate has not like it went up my resting heart rate and shit on some people were nice to me shit that's fucking weird, no? Like that's a weird reaction, and that's a t and it took. Yeah, me you don't trust. The, you don't. You don't trust it. That's why. Imposter syndrome. Yo, even right right now, it's baffling to me that there's ten people here. Like the fuck? Like this is my head. But then it's like I watched it back after, and people are like, "Nah, dude, get the fuck over yourself a bit." And I'm working on that. Like I'm working on accepting shit. Like it's so Yo, it's I'm hard. I'm ha I'm happy ten people are watching. That's cool. Yo, it's mad cool to me. Don't even get me wrong. I love everyone. That's very you. cool. Like it's fuck. And then um, so I'm just letting you know that my phone was at a hundred percent when we started, and I just got the twenty percent fucking flash on my screen. Don't even worry. My tummy was kicking in, and I was gonna like edge it towards ending within fifteen-ish minutes anyway. But this has definitely been like, just for the sake of you, this this like talking about stuff is, is important i think because what i realized is there's i think a disproportionate amount of artists um that that struggle with exactly what we struggle with because it turned out the last time i had this chat a lot of people were like you i feel you i'm glad you said that and i'm like wow and then i realized it makes sense right it's only a certain kind of person that's going to chase this artist life um and then I'm like, okay, so maybe we all need to talk about it on some bonding shit so we can better communicate in the future. Yeah. I think I think people want to talk about it and they, they like it's a lot easier for people to be like, Oh man, that's awesome that you that you said that or whatever. I'm doing it all the time. You know what I did, bro? I filmed a series called The Stories Behind the Story. Because the album is called A Story Untold. And I told the story of each song that's on the album. And I'm planning on Yeah, and I'm planning on releasing them. I, I've only released the first one. I saw that very quick, but I didn't watch it yet. 
Yeah, but I'm gonna release them all and like, cause the the mental health shit is the underlying like thing through this whole project. You know what I mean? Because it's such an important thing, bro. I've been I was in the hospital twice since last March. Not March, just past. Yeah, wait, where are we? Yeah, not yeah, March past, but like a year ago. Right. You know? And then fucking the first time I was in there for three days, the second time I was there for six weeks. You know? And like, I've been de- I've been dealing with so much, man, and like the pandemic too, obviously, like isolation is like not good, man. It's not a good thing for anybody, man. That's why people are fucking starting to go a little batty anyway. Right? Like, they're saying that mental health is such a big issue right now in general. You know what I mean? That is definitely a complicated one in and of itself. But you're absolutely correct. The, uh, it's, I don't know. It's taking its toll on me. Um, I got to hang out with a human recently, and I felt so excited to be around a human that it could have been almost any human. Like, yeah. Like, I could imagine that a lot of people are going to make a lot of decisions they're not going to be thrilled with in two years, in the next six months. Yeah, I can <laughs> see that. Um, but, like, I don't know. I think it's going to be a very weird transition back to real life. I don't even know how to hang out with people. Believe it or not, yeah, I think about this shit a lot. I'm like, yo, I, I spent so much time learning how to be, like, day job holding, where, like, I could walk in and I had these filters where I knew we can't talk about rim jobs over here and a bunch of shit like that. But believe it or not, I need these filters. I need to like build this. Like almost like a it's like um a computer program where you put a, a list of blocked subject matter and I just add to that a lot. But I haven't had to do that in like over a year. So I'm bad at it. And I'm like terrified to have to go back into real social fucking circles again and be polite around middle class people. I'm like, I'm already not social. You know what I mean? Like, I have the more, I have extreme social anxiety. Like, it's really bad. And, uh, mm. like, I don't, like, I don't really like, like, even if I do shows, like, I'm in the green room until it's time to go on. And then, like, I'm back in the green room. Like, I show up late. I leave early. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not, like, you know what I mean? I don't, I, yeah, I definitely have developed social anxiety, one hundred percent. I guess that's you know? the thing people are gonna have to deal with that I don't know that people are also talking about down the line. I mean, like, yo, like honestly, when I'm planning my moves, I'm like, I don't know that I want to go in a room full of a hundred or a thousand strangers. Like that scares the shit out of me a little bit more than I want to admit to people. I'll just give you something because you've given me a whole lot. But the idea being. Like, I kind of, like, like the idea of a mosh pit here and there or a concert, sure. But then I'm, like, yo, when the concert's done, I went to Wu-Tang Clan when it hit Plas Bell right before COVID and shit. And when the concert was done and it took, like, an hour to, like, or whatever it fucking was to leave and you just see people and it's just, like, this weird silence mixed with this sounds of so many individual noises put together. And I fucking don't like that moment. I don't like it at all. So if I have to be in that moment, eh, shit, man. I don't think it's worth $100 to go through that hour. That's where I'm at with that shit. I'd rather watch a show from the side of the stage. That's the best spot to watch it. 
that would be a fresh spot to do it but don't get me wrong i want to be like in the cool part for a minute but like i also just need an easy out i don't like the part so like it's no winter shows because of the jacket line it's not bad but wu-tang clan was in the jacket line part so i had to deal with that shit i don't like it um i'm just being honest because that shit freaks me out thinking about it i could deal with like metropolis or some smaller fucking venue i don't know if metropolis is still there but um that's a weird thing too i don't know if insert venue is still there is about to become a sentence in a lot of people's lives are we gonna like ever get back to like just you know what i mean yeah like is anything like like what yeah, absolutely is anything gonna be regular again this ever gonna be the most ironic shit ever given who i am and all the shit i've preached but kind of but different so like things weren't working right like let's be real like as a, i stopped performing live in like 2016 on some yo i don't i don't make as much money as i can make not performing live which is a weird thing for people to hear but people are trying to tell me some 50 dollar fucking shits is worth five hours i'm like i don't know about that <laughs> i don't know if you know how much money i can make uh so i stopped doing that and i started doing internet shit in like 2016 or whatever in 2016 saved up bought the gear bobbly blue bleeps meanwhile i'm day jobbing and shit so i'm doing voice work and crap i'm practicing all the time and whatnot but then like um covid kicks in and i think it's an exposure of things so i think the live scene comes back in a different way people want human intimacy and they even i want human intimacy and i think um in the realms of what we do I can see like a resurgence of private party shits, party vibes, smaller venues, situation, or even the lost. house party. Yeah, because that's what lot they... parties, studio parties. Yeah, like, cause first of all, where the fuck can you smoke weed? <laughs> it's not gonna be. It's gonna be at private parties. That's a big fact. So festivals is huge mm -hmm. because let's talk. Like, look, let's be real. There's people with big cash. So I don't care about people with big cash because I don't have big cash. So that part of the scene is almost superfluous to my life because it's not really what I do. But let's say festivals is big because everybody loves festivals. It's huge bang for your buck and it's a great experience and it's a great experience. Stadium shit is going to come back because Taylor Swift's going to come through no matter what the fuck people want. These people can afford that shit. They can just do whatever they want to do. It's going to happen. I think ticket prices for concerts at like a Bell Center, if it was like a $200, it's now a $400 ticket. I think everything got more expensive. Live shows are going to be pricier moving forward. But I also think it's going to be a lot more uh, chalet renting spit fucking at a room of 15 people for the gram because we live in that lit life, yo. Check out me rapping in a hot tub for TikTok type shit more than not. So I see like a lot of private shit going off. A lot of weird blending of reality of dope experiences where people just kind of bring it everywhere and anywhere. Like I don't hate it. I think it's like me having to adapt a little bit to it, but I think like, yo, if I could rap, yo, you know what's fun? Rapping at a Zoom and watching everybody fucking go oh, to your shit, okay? Like, it's not there, it's not 100, but it's like 80. It's like 80% of the way good. And I didn't think it would be 80%, but people kind of agree with me when I say 80% of the way good. Because you see people's faces. You feel like you felt my energy through the Zoom call. I felt your energy through the Zoom call. It's not 100% good. It's like 80% of the way good. So it's not like the future future, but it's like 
you could do cool shit. Like imagine a Zoom call behind you on a digital screen in the background and a live crowd in front of you. Hybrid shit. Mm-hmm. That sounds dope. I think the future is going to be innovative. Kind of like 1970-something all over again. It's it's kind of dope to me. Um, fair enough. I see you typing. Sorry. It's all good. I'm listening. Nah, fair enough. Sometimes I get rambly, and then I'm like, I could talk about all the shit that I care about like that, but it can get a little... Can get a little much i'm aware of it um but i just think that the future is going to have a semblance of normalcy because people want to do shit but like i think the dope shit's going to come back and the bullshit's going to go away like you know what's not going to come back 15 rapper showcases like it didn't work 15 thank god so how is it going to work in the future 14 and a half of them suck I don't want to go there because I think a lot of the taste and preference, etc., whatever. But how am I supposed? <laughs> whatever. I don't want to go that part of it. But let's say I'm gonna be real with you. I am not able to sell a fucking ticket for ten minutes. I can do it for fifteen. I know that because I tested every time slot available. Motherfuckers will not show up and spend night at a bar for me to do ten minutes, and that's all that got offered to me. And I'm like, bro, I can't do 10 minutes. My shit's like four-minute songs. Like, the fuck is 10 minutes? Like, what, like, you know? And the time slot got from 15 to 10, and that that's when I got less interested because I was no longer able to tell people, yo, but it's a 15. I get to do three songs. Like, people seem to be fucking willing to come for three songs, but they're not willing to come for two songs. I didn't make that rule. That's just what happened when I pitched people for, like, fucking six years. And, like... I don't know. Unless you throw the show yourself, it's like, do you get your own time? Anyway, so I was going to throw my own show, but then it was scheduled March 20th, 2020, and that was four days before Quebec shut down. So that didn't go down the way I wanted it to. But nobody had a 10-minute slot. Everybody had at least 15 minutes. Just because that was so important to me. I know how like imp- important that was to fans for some reason. So it was like, anyway, people need to think like that. But if you have 15 people and your shit starts at 9, 30, 11, and then the Metro closes at 12, 30, then who the fuck is staying at this show? Like, I don't know. I really don't know who's staying at this show. I'm not staying at that show. You know what time I leave shows at? 11, 30, 12. Because I'm not fucking Ubering home and spending $30. These are all facts of life that people need to like accommodate for. And I don't know that a lot of vibes encourage that. If I see three acts, I think the show's done at 11, so I'm willing to go to it faster. Less things to focus on, more smoke breaks. You know, things like that need to happen. But the- You know what I was saying? I wanted to do a thing where like I, I still want to do my, I want to do my album release like a live stream, like you know, but I want to do it somewhere cool and have cool shit happening that keeps people engaged, almost like, like a theatrical, like 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 something theatrical, like almost like a play or something. That's interesting, uh-huh. you know, but not like a play, but like. It takes place in a tattoo shop and there's like people tattooing and there's like girls like, 
You know what I mean? Or like different, like something that's like interesting, that's different, that keeps people, you know. There's a lot of ways to manifest this. That's what the future is going to be. You come up with the idea. Then uh, we talk project management, which is what do we want to do? Okay, let's make a list. We go on that list and go, how do we do these things? Then we go, well, Big Caesar, this is what we can do. This shit is impossible. And then now our plan goes with what we can do. And that's it. We just have to accept what can be done and what can't be done, like the serenity prayer and shit says. And then with that, like, it's simple. Like, yo, I know that my shit's like, I know, like, I know what is coming. And then I know what's technologically here. And then we also have to accept that really, really great quality in this sphere costs a lot more money than a lot. of. It's manpower money, right? It's not like graphics money. If I were doing my shit right, I would have, like, fucking angles but that means there's a person that has to switch those angles right that's literally a human that you have to pay on your show in your production cost to switch the because yo when i do it i'm fucking not paying as much attention yeah of course but i have to do it right now on my saturday show because like we're switching back and forth between me and co's man on some shit and it's like yo that's big stressing and that's why people hire people and shit. And it's, so it's like we have to all like understand that, okay, cool. We can't necessarily do everything, but what can we do? And then we make it happen. And I guarantee you that whatever you do is blessed because just doing it is amazing. Innovative, as as Willie Scandals put it, because guess what? What? We're three and a bit hours in. Willie's still here. Virtual carnival. Just create a carnival. I don't know how. We'll figure it out. Carnival, la 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 la. Yeah, on the real though, I do think that everything that you imagine is gonna become way more possible with virtual reality as that kicks in, and that's when you really get your carnival shit. Um, because then you can just use programmers to do shit like when I say this word, this happens, and literally you can go fucking deep with that with what their tech is doing. So. It could get real cool within five years. I'm so fucking excited. Um, anyhow, I could go on about that for a while, but I think it's a good time to wrap it up because I feel like you want to keep it hot while it's hot and not run it to the ground. And I want to make supper. I'm being real with y'all. I'm fucking hungry and I know how my phone's gonna die any second now. Anyway, I was paying so. attention to that too. So yo, thank you, fucking Big Caesar. This, this this was a good episode. I really enjoyed it a lot trust me i don't know if it's not if it's 10 30 i enjoyed it a lot that's the proof in the pudding thank you all for watching it we, we of course need a part two Willie. we have a whole lot of his stories still to talk about we didn't even talk about the name change we got like part way through it that's it that was the goal once we because you're interesting <laughs> we don't want to do fucking it all. old man you're not going to get it all in one shot anyway we don't want so. it all in one shot we want it to take <laughs> we want it to take time then we give them all reason to come back yo it's content marketing my guy it's the frequency that matters. It's the return. It's the, it's like wrestling. Think of it like wrestling. Hey man, I am a massive wrestling fan. Let's not get if we get into that. Well, that'll be another hour. That'll be like another time. But if you think about how to promo, like you're fucking setting up for the WWE, you'll do way better. Um. Anyway, on that note, thank you all watching it. Thank you everybody out there. Thank you fucking Big Caesar. It's amazing. 
Um, if you're watching this in the future, definitely feel free. Also, your links are in the description. They've been popping up in the stream the whole time. Definitely make sure to follow, show the love, do all that good stuff. If you want, uh, follow, like, subscribes, all that stuff. Special thanks to the patrons. It's Mel Good MC, Chris Pato, Jonathan Barnes, DJ Black, Hurricanes, Lindo Williams, and Scribble. They're dope. They support what we do. And if you feel that way and you're on Twitch, you could use your free Amazon Prime Twitch show right. if you so feel that. And otherwise, um, patreon.com slash behind that suit. On that note, everyone, we're going to be taking off. So live long and prosper, everyone. And uh, if you got to take off, you can. I'm going to just start a raid on my side and then we can like dip out. But do you have, sorry, do you have last words? I'm being rude, damn I? Last words. Yeah, that was like rude as fuck as me. I'm like fucking blitzing it off. <laughs> You know, that's okay. I'm a big kid. <laughs> Shout outs to Yardy, to the young homie Dozens. Shout outs to my nigga Willie Scandals and the rest of my Nietzsche's everywhere, actually, man. Shout outs to like everyone who ever supported me. Shout outs to the people who hate me because you make me better. Shout out to the people who aren't here anymore. Rest in peace, Pico G. Rest in peace, Smooth. Um, rest in peace, Tommy Da. Holy shit, I don't... Yo. Moment of silence for the fallen. I love y'all. Thank you for tuning in. I'm Big Caesar. You can find me online. One love. Take care. Mm -hmm.